Welcome to Money Making Conversations. It's the show that shares the secrets of success experienced firsthand by marketing and branding expert Rashawn McDonald. I will know. He's given me advice on many occasions, and in case you didn't notice, I'm not broke. You know he'll be interviewing celebrity CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. It's what he likes to do. It's what he likes to share. Now it's time to hear from my man, Rashawn McDonald. Money Making Conversations. Here we go. Awesome. Welcome to Money Making Conversation. I am your host, Rashawn McDonald. Each Money Making Conversation talk show is about entrepreneurship and entertainment. I provide the consumer and business owner access to celebrities, CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. I recognize that we all have different definitions of success. For some, it's a sizable paycheck. Mine is helping people wake up and inspiring them to accomplish their goals and live the life that they want to live, live their passion, see their gifts through see it to the end because i want you to stop tripping over small obstacles because there's some bigger obstacles out there in fact don't even hop over a small obstacle walk right through it see it through my friend because on money making conversations i invite people on my show to create relatable information so you as a listener can learn about how you can be successful in your career your financial planning entrepreneurship motivation leadership overcoming the odds which i do on a daily basis and more importantly how to live a balanced life my next guest she's on the phone uh last time she was on the phone she was talking about her curvy lines clothing line which is fantastic she's on the show today talk about a movie i just watched on lifetime the legendary clock sisters she's been singing professionally since the age of nine and releasing a six studio album entitled care on april 17th the album's first single was don't judge featuring missy Elliott. her latest single is called it keeps happening and is out now she's on the show to talk about that the lifetime biopic the clark sisters the first ladies of gospel premiering on lifetime on april 11th my guest portrays her mother in the movie and does an amazing job you know she can sing but she can act too Welcome to Money Making Conversations, my friend, Kira Kiki Sheard. Hey there, thank you so much for that amazing welcome. Well, you know, first of all, uh, it's a blessing, you know, because we live a life filled with blessing despite our times and and to, to be able to interview people during these trying times to provide good quality content so people can you know move on with their life don't feel like they're being bored or tied down and everything's a repeat it's a blessing to me and I, to be able to get you on my show to talk about this amazing movie you kind of dropped a hint on me last time i interviewed you last year about this movie was coming now it's out just talk just before i get into my details and start just talking about how much i loved it and you know the acting and everything just talk about the experience of getting it to the screen uh, you know, it was really, it was a blast. Um, it took hard work. It took dedication. It took commitment. And um, I was super grateful for the opportunity. Um, it's a dream for me, and it's personal for me. It's not just, you know, an opportunity. Mm -hmm. uh, but this is something that I had to do, um, you know, or that I wanted to do in honor of my mother right. um, to, to pay respect to her and having the opportunity to uh Again, pay homage to her, but um, pay honor to her to this magnitude and having the dream come true while I'm doing it. That's just absolutely amazing. And it's a good story. It's not like whack or anything. So um, it was all fun. It took work, like I said, and it took me focus, uh, focusing in and zoning in. Uh, but it was it was a great experience. Well, the thing about, you know, we're in the, the, the Me Too generation, you know, the two two of the executive producers on the show, Louita Jones for the movie, good friend, 
Mm -hmm. has done a lot for my career and Steve Harvey's career. Holly Carter, Mm -hmm. another talented uh, television producer, film producer, music producer, was one of the executive producers on the film project. So when I saw their names, Mm -hmm. I knew, you know, all, like they said, loose ends will be tied correctly. And the body of work will be respected, correct? Absolutely. All of that. You got it right. Um, and not only that, but these those names that you've mentioned, um, not only are they responsible for successful stories and successful work, but they also are considerate of people of faith. And mm-hmm. they're not just anxious to just let a story out and to put out drama, but they want it to make sense and they keep the talent's lives um, in mind. And so I pay respect to them for that. Um, for telling a beautiful story, but making sure that it's intact. So it's exactly what you said. So the story we're talking about is the Clark Sisters, the life, the first ladies of gospel premiering on Lifetime on April 11th. Okay. Here's a, you know, there, there are certain dates that are important. It's, the movie starts out in 1963 in Detroit and the Clark Sisters, the mom, you know, Dr. Maddie Moss Clark, you know, she was kind of like, you know, it was referenced kind of like the Joe Jackson of the time for gospel. But you know, when I when I looked at this movie, I didn't know what to expect, Kira. I'm Kiki. I'm I'm be honest with you. Because you know I was going, is it gonna be a wholesome movie? Is it gonna be gloss over? Is it gonna be is it gonna be dramatic? What is it gonna be? You guys told an effective story, you know, over a long period of time and then I and then hold back. Then hold back. You know. Yeah, it was really good. And I, when I say that, I mean that, you know, your grandfather, he was, I have to say the word abusive. OK. And then and then the, the mom, even, she was a blessing, but she's also a tyrant because she was so mm-hmm. she was so God fearing that she didn't she didn't other, see any other dreams that weren't tied to God. She didn't want to hear it. She didn't want to hear it. And in it, and in some ways, that's in some ways when you tell that story, you realize that the success of the Clarkses was tied to a, a person who understood, and that's the mom. She understood everybody's gifts. She understood she was she was focus driven, but she didn't she didn't bend at all. And when you start telling a story like this, and you're playing an actual role in the story, how do you play off? How do you deal with you know telling some stories that might not be flattering, but the story you want to tell is the right or, or close to the right story? How did how did you take that? Um. How did I take it? Can mm. you ask that question one more time? Okay. Cool. No problem. Here's a show, a, a movie that's appearing on Lifetime, and sometimes the characters that were part of your personal life weren't flattering, like your, like the role of Nisi. We saw how that played out in the movie. Uh, the your grandmother, Dr. Maddie, uh, she was a tyrant. I had to use the word. I, I, I can. I'm not incorrect when I use the word. Ter- she she was had tyrant tendencies. She was overbearing. She was goal driven. She was a taskmaster. You know, she only she thought her way was the highway type approach. When you're doing a show like that, or a movie like that, or a film like this, how does it how does it play on you to say, you know, this is this doesn't look good for my grandmother, but this how she this is to tell the story correctly. We got to tell this side of her. How did that play for you emotionally in this project? Um, well, first, I wouldn't say that she was a tyrant because mm-hmm. um, what's associated with tyrant is oppression and more mm-hmm. of like a cool ruler kind of thing, okay. if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken by that def- definition. Okay. Um, I will say, though, that she was a strong woman, mm-hmm. and um, 
I do think that obviously this this new generation may not agree with some ways mm-hmm. um, as we don't agree with a lot of ways of the traditional approach. Um, however, we see what it has done for them. Right. And um, it actually has allowed me to honor the ways that they have led um, their children, speaking of the generations before. Mm-hmm. Um, and to answer your question, though, I think everybody has a story. Mm-hmm. Um, so how I was able to still move along and um, still honor those who were still a part of blazing the trail is I choose the meat and spit out the bone. You know, there are some people that we are overly obsessed with and we love dearly, um, but not every way that they choose or decision that they make is the best thing to do. So um, that's how I would say I, I choose to move forward. Um, I think that my grandmother... Mm-hmm. Um, she had to be that way because, again, she was a woman in leadership. Right. And uh, if we notice, she had to fight. She had a challenge or a, um, I'll just say a challenge with men on both sides, whether it was in her home or if it was in her public leadership form. Uh, uh, form. Um, so I would say, you know, you just, again, you choosing me to spit out the bones. That's such as life. That's what comes with it. And um, I was still glad to be a part of the story. It's a beautiful story because her legacy still lives on. And um, very often we put to a woman who is strong and who sticks to their guns that they have this negative way of doing things mm-hmm. or they are this negative kind of person. But if it's a man, then it's considered to be different. And so I'm excited that her story is able to be told in this time and in this day mm-hmm. because we're now acknowledging women in history, pioneers who are women. Female pioneers and so forth. So, um, yeah, that's how I'm able to push past the story. She's inspiring. She's an ambitious woman. And again, she stuck to her gun. Well, you know, great. And that's why I wanted to talk about that because we all can have perceptions. And, uh, you know, and believe me, when I used the word tyrant, it was only in a, in a, in a role of being a person who, who wills their way, you know, and, and her way yeah. was same note, uh, be on key. Um, you know, Twinkie was with her all the time and Twinkie, uh, cause I'm not, I don't want to tell the story, but I want to let everybody know that the, 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 the years that were important in this story, cause they, they, on the, on the, on the screen, they show you different years that are important. Like I said, 1963, it was in Detroit when we know Motown was blazing, but she wanted to follow the path of gospel. Then they went to 1973, 1976 was really they kind of like their first performance, 1982, big concert, 1989. But along the way, like, like she stated, your mom had to deal with male promoters who stiffed her or underpaid her. Mm-hmm. She had to deal with uh, mm-hmm. church council, which was when I looked at that scene, it was nothing but men telling her, are reprimanding mm-hmm. her and also dealing with the fact that she had the courage to get out of a bad marriage. And yeah. and she said she didn't want her daughters cooking or cleaning. So she always mm-hmm. had a more upwardly mobile approach to what her daughters could be and should be. She just saw a talent and she saw that talent as their way out. Right. And that is what played strong to me in the movie. And that is what, you know, when you when you playing the role of your mom now, now we're coming close to home. You know, her character. Did you did you talk to your mom about the character? Or you just you saw the script. How did you develop and play that role out? Yeah, um, I did uh, talk to my mom about it. Um, but most of what I did, because I didn't want to use my mom as a cheat sheet, um, <laughs> but I did do my, mm-hmm. I did do my ways of interviewing her and asking her questions here and mm-hmm. there. But I did a lot of 
studying her by just looking at some of her um, interviews and how she interacts. Because I'm used to her acting as mommy. And, of course, I saw a lot, um, you know, of her as a wife mm -hmm. and, um, and, and the first lady and all that. But as a sister, mm -hmm. um, I needed to watch more closely to that. So I mm -hmm. did um, YouTube mm -hmm. videos right. and I watched her interviews and all of that. So um, that was how I prepared. Well, the thing about it is, let me just say this to everybody. I'm talking to Kira Kiki Sheard. Kiki is a nickname. Um, and we're talking about the uh, Lifetime movie that she starred in, The Legendary Clark Sisters. Um, this will be, on the, it'll be on the screens April 11th on all televisions, television sets and streaming and all those good things. When you look at Destiny's Child, you know, they have been called the most celebrated female group of all time. The legendary Clarkses they have to be considered the most celebrated female group in gospel music history because of what they've accomplished, the concert ticket sold, the singles, the album. I believe that uh, Twinkie has written over 250 songs in a lifetime. That is a title that you can't take away. That's a title that they earned, and that's the title they earned the despite, you know, challenges in a male-dominated industry, challenges when people you thought was doing you a favor, putting the right contract in front of you, and it's not the right contract in front of you, and challenges that your mom was on the road trying to make this happen in a male-dominated society. That's why you're saying, Rashawn, this is perfect. In a generation that needs to understand that women can do it, you, we could not have released this movie at a better time, Correct. Absolutely, absolutely. I 100% agree with that. Awesome. Well, before we get off the phone, I want to talk about your new album. Tell us about the new album, young lady, that's dropping April 17th, so we can uh, get some more inspiration, get some more gospel love. <laughs> Absolutely. The um, album is uh, coming out April 17th, and I'm really excited about that. I currently have a new single out called It Keeps Happening. Uh -huh. And um, the movie, the, the movie Opportunity, and uh, the Macy's partnership, and uh -huh. so many other great things that the Lord is doing. I just, you know, the song was inspired by that. And I decided to say, you know what? Great things are happening. It keeps happening for me. Um, and I was, I'm just blessed by it. So the new single is out, and right. that's the message of it. It's a song that, that is declaring um, goodness and, and and great possibilities over my life, over my family's life. And so it's a song, though, that everyone can relate to and you can make it your declaration. Um, and it looks like that's what we have been doing. So it is, it's a special song, and I can't wait for everyone to hear this new music. Again, that's April 17th, and the movie is coming out April 11th. Okay, you mentioned the Macy's Partnership. A lot of people are shopping online. Tell us about that Macy's Partnership. Yeah, um, so my clothing line, 1160, is a curvy line, a woman, a, 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 sorry, a line for curvy women, plus-size women, and um, it's available on Macy's.com, and mm -hmm. I'm super excited about that opportunity, and that's pretty much it. We did um, a pop-up shop. We were supposed to do another pop-up shop, but because of the current situation, we've not been able to. Absolutely. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to But we can't to drive people online, and that's what's the thing. People are shopping online. People are accepting deliveries at their homes and their apartments and their condos around the country, and people still want to look good. So Absolutely. I just so that's why I, I didn't want to. I'd be remiss to say you Macy's partnership and not bring it up in this interview because that's about body image. That's about women, you know, who are curvy finding clothes that make them look good, make them feel good. And that's what this show is all about, being able to point out and have an honest conversation with my guests and being correct if they feel I've stepped too far in a definition of somebody that they feel is important in their life to be able to get that message out correctly. So with that being said, April 11th, 
The movie premieres on Lifetime. The Clark Sisters. April 17th, yes, the sir. album drops. Right now, you're dealing with a fantastic uh, partnership with Macy's that you can go online for your curvy uh, clothing line, correct? Yes, sir. Cool. That's it. My dear, I want to thank you for coming on the show. Uh, just do me one favor. Tell your people to contact my people. Give me a banner so I can put on my website. Because I can put on my social media. I almost got a million followers. You know I will support you. I support you every time. So I need a banner for the movie or a trailer for the movie. I need a banner for your album to drop. And I need a banner for your Macy's online clothing. And then we be then that's Absolutely. that's what you call love there, Kiki. <laughs> yes, thank you so much for the support. I sincerely you. You know I support you and uh, God bless you, girl. Okay, and keep winning. Yes, sir. Thank you. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. Hi, this is Rashawn McDonald. If you want to hear more episodes of Money Making Conversations, go to MoneyMakingConversations.com. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I'm your host. My next guest is one of the pioneers of the natural hair market, which is very important to understand how, it's, how it has exploded. She founded the award-winning uh, hair care brand Curls, that's C-R-U-L-S. Frustrated with the lack of products for natural curly hair, she worked to develop effective and eco-conscious products for material designed for naturally curly hair. Curls is an award-winning, leading in the early business of curly hair design. Please welcome to Money Making Conversations, my friend, television personality, author, business advocate, and founder of Curls, as well as the CEO, Maisha Dillinger. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, you know, I always got to get all that good stuff out about you, Maisha. <laughs> you got a long list of things there. Well, you know, it's just a, it's just a uh, uh, you know, uh, a statement about who you are, you know, that you are a versatile person. And, you know, I always talk about, you know, follow your gifts, follow your passions, but it's not always just one gift. It's not always just one passion. And let's, let's talk about how you are able to multi, multitask these different lanes that are opening up for you every day, sometimes simultaneously. How do you, how do you navigate that? Very, very good question. Um, and it is really, truly all about having the right team uh, in place um, because I could not literally do all of what I do without a good team. And the team starts at home. So my mate, obviously, you know, we got to choose your mates wisely. They can either help you or hurt you. Mm -hmm. um, but also the team that you hire to work with you. Um, I have an, an amazing set of dedicated uh, business people who work alongside me. So that's how I'm able to do it all. We know, like I, I remember, so I always tell people some of my stories when I started my comedy club, you know, Back in uh, Houston, Texas, I was surrounded by my family members, and first they was doing it for free, and then they started seeing a couple mm. of checks come through the door, and they went, hey, we like to <laughs> get a little check, too, you know, which I didn't budget, which I didn't budget for. I didn't budget for the ch the money that they wanted, too, to stand at the door, to take the tickets, the, the, the little things I thought I took for granted in the relationship. And so as you started right. to build your brand Curls, I'm sure there was some... Uh, situation that came up where you didn't ex expect to be part of your budget and that's important for people to understand that you when you start a business and and that's just me just making a statement and i would love for you to respond to what i'm saying how do you really put together that budget that you're trying to do when you are launching a business or start a bit or starting to do the budget planning part that, that's very important yeah um, budget planning is important because if you don't have all your costs and know what you're going to spend, you can easily lose your shirt. So I think most importantly, um, you need to get someone in your life 
that can mentor you in the space that you're in um, because they can help you see those unforeseen costs that you don't know about. So that was one of the things I did early on, um, got a mentor that was actually in the hair care industry. And uh, he he worked for one of the big um, consumer product goods companies, and he helped me a lot. So Mm -hmm. I was able to, number one, save in areas because he connected me to different people in his world. But he was also able to show me what to expect and what not to expect and help me with my budgeting. So that, that's very critical, uh, especially as you start up. You can't have, as they say, you can't have these, this inflated sense of I make, I make a dollar, I keep a dollar. <laughs> I keep the dollar that right. I make because it right. has to be divvied up into a lot of different ways. How big is your, uh, your company right now as far as uh, staff-wise? Well, we have over 250 Curls Ambassadors. Wow. Um, and then we um, all over the U.S. and some international. Mm-hmm. And then we have uh, 20 in our local office. Wow. And we're here in Dallas, Texas. And that's really, really amazing. So, so in 2002, you started the company. But prior to that, what was the frustration of just having natural hair and not having any products to deal with it before you start, before you launched a brand called Curls, which is a, a great name, by the way? Right. Well, that was back before, you know, we had a lot of options. I mean, the ethnic aisle back then was, uh, really had Jerry Cole products, right. relaxers, hair grease, like nothing I really wanted. My Asian, I my Asian, to embrace my Jerry Carroll products. That you, you, you're going way yes. back now. <laughs> yeah, they were still on the market and you can actually still find some today, believe it or not. Um, but yeah, all the, think about the soft sheen and carefree curl. And yeah, so, yes, yes, yes. I mean, that's what I had to use for a while, right. you know, but it was so greasy and unnatural. But then you would, but then when we look through the journey of Maisha Dillinger, uh, the whole concept of, you know, but you are a person, just a basic person, because you you are a former marketing executive at a Fortune 500 company. So you always had yeah. that ability to, you know, plan, to be able to, you know, put an idea, concept moving forward, because marketing was your natural background. So Correct. So so I'm assuming that you started putting the uh, the plans in place for curls while you were still at your full-time job. Yeah, that is correct. I had to. I, I always, always, always mentor. And suggest, when I mentor, I suggest um, and, and recommend that you keep your day job until your side hustle becomes your main hustle. And you right. can no longer do both. Right. So because mm-hmm. you have to keep money in. You know, people want to just quit their jobs and, and go in all, you know, before. And I feel like that's, that's great, but awesome and a lot of faith. But it's not practical in some senses, especially if you have responsibilities like children. Um, then you and I, I was a mother. So right. I, I always suggest doing both until you can't do both anymore. And you have a long history of success in the business that shows you can actually maintain and live off of that. And still reinvest back in the company. Because if you're just living on the salary but can't reinvest anything back into the company, then that obviously will keep you still a stagnant. Right. And, hair, and later I know, uh, launched in 2002, Curls, a line of organic hair care products for every type of curl at every at, at, at any age. And uh, you can never look back because of the opportunities that it's presented, for, not only for the for people who have been trying to find natural hair care products, but also for people who have to find a comfort zone. And also it's changed the way people can come to work now. We've, we've seen such a movement in natural hair care, you know, because at times, you know, people are fighting. You know, I, I know right now in Georgia they're passing laws that you can't discriminate based on hair anymore. And Isn't so, that ridiculous that we have to have a law to say that? Like, what goes out of my head? I have to be protected against discrimination. 
the way it grows naturally. That's just well, I, you know, we, we can get upset about it, but I think that I also know that, you know, because you have products like yours that, that make the caring of the hair, uh, be the management, manage, making it more manageable and more, 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 you know, because we are with the thing about life is that people who don't understand will discriminate. People who can't relate will discriminate. And so when I, when I, I, I commend a company like yours, I can be frustrated by the way the system reacts to us. When I say react to us, I mean people of color or people who are different or people who talk different or have gender differences. But I also know that you have to work within the system to be able to achieve success. And that's where yeah. your company is doing. And, and I have to say that, you know, you were a visionary. This is 2002. And I know now, you know, how popular, you know, we have conventions now that are just natural hair care conventions. Yes. And so that didn't happen in 2002. Maisha, it was no. you had to say, right. you know, you 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 created a a, a movement, and 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 I, I'm I'm saying that you know sometimes people like you who are so talented, who so are just geared to being successful, this is a deep breath moment. Hey, my dear, thank you, thank you, thank you for uh-huh. sitting down. Yeah, that's so sweet. You know, thank you for sitting down. Thank you for avoiding the naysayers. Thank you for saying, "Hey, I I, I can leave this company. I can." I, I, I know it's not a, a, a clear plan for success because I always talk about people who are tied to fear. You know, there's so many people out there doing jobs and, and that they don't want to do because they're afraid if they get out there, they lose that, uh, that comfort zone, that, that consistent check or that consistent opportunity. But you, my friend, decided that, hey, I can do more. I can be better. I can be, I can, I, I have a vision here. And to make that transition to, from corporate to everyday entrepreneur was not an easy one. Can you explain that to my listeners? Yeah, what well, definitely wasn't um, easy, but what in life that's worth anything is easy. I, I don't think anything is. And so um, being broke, is, is, is that easy? No. So I choose your heart, you know? Right, right. Choose your heart. We can choose what we want to do in our lives. We yeah. have the choice. Yes. and. I left corporate America because I was faced with corporate racism, which shortened my my ability to get to the top. I really wanted to go to the top quickly, and they really cut that in half. I was like, okay, no, we don't want to do. We're not looking to promote you. We're not looking to grow you. You're going to be in this position. People that were hired after me got promoted before me. Right. Then I got a, a racist manager who was looking to get rid of me. I realized, okay, this is just not for me. I don't have the patience for this. Mm-hmm. For someone to dictate my life. And that is why I'm, I'm here, why I am today. But I want to say that um, anything that's worth having is, is going to be hard. And so I chose this hard. Now, that whole natural, natural instinct of marketing and branding and getting your product out there. Tell us how they can get your product. Well, almost anywhere. Uh, so Target. You can find Curls at Target near you. Sally's. Yeah. Walmart. Walgreens, Rite Aid. Mm-hmm. Walmart. Mm-hmm. Curls got biz, or even local beauty supply store. Mm-hmm. Do you ever go in there? Yeah, so you, know, you know, like mm-hmm. I teased you early on. You know, I walk in there, you know, because I shop at Walgreens, I shop at CVS a lot, and stuff like that. You know, sometimes I'm just going and getting some medicine in the pharmacy department, and and I walk by and I see your product, and I just, you know, I do. Does it still just you look at it and then go, wow? This is mine. Do you? Does that still strike you as a, 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 a an amazing moment in your life? You know that I get that question sometimes, and and you know I'm I'm a little bit embarrassed by the 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 response, but it's really true. I I don't 
stop to smell the roses. I, when I see the products on the shelf, mm-hmm. I don't go, oh, my God, they're so amazing. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm so proud, which I should. But I go more. I think about what I have to still do. We have to work on oh, this. I have to do that. And, oh, my God, you know, i got to figure this, fix that. And so it's constantly a moving target. Okay, cool. And so I do need to stop smell the roses and appreciate that. But honestly, I am just moving and moving and moving. Well, do, do, do you have these testimonies where people uh, talk about how, you know, growing their hair or the loss of hair loss has affects their, um, you know, just affects their okay. dignity, affects their, uh, their confidence the, and, and how this, 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 uh, this process is going to change their life or is affecting their life in such a positive manner, going out in public, dating, socializing, do you have that part of the campaign as well? Well, we, we do. We highlight those when, whenever we, we, we get them in. But there are a lot of women, obviously, who deal with alopecia. Yes, Women ma'am. who um, deal with hair loss from hormonal changes, especially post-pregnancy. Um, all the different medication, you know, health issues beyond just aging. You know, there are other things that can cause hair growth issues and lack of self-esteem. Our, our hair is our crown and glory. So, yes, and whenever we get those, we definitely highlight them. Right. And because I, I think that's important because that's natural. That's a, that's a, the honest because we are in the business to make money. We are in the business to make money. But when you when you create something or create a format that also changes lives and makes people give some confidence and make them feel positive about how they open the front door and how people look at them, I think that needs to also be highlighted. And that's what you're doing with the Grow and Slay campaign, correct? Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, cool. well, there was something I wanted to bring up as well. It was that in 2019, uh, you launched this Black Girls Making Millions Academy. Uh-huh, yeah. You know, that, that, to educate and uplift aspiring female entrepreneurs. Why and um, what can I do to help promote that? Well, well, thank you, because as soon as we launch the next one, we'll definitely uh, circle back so you can help promote it. But what we launched that after I wrapped my show on OWN, yes, ma'am. Mind Your Business with Mahisha, mm-hmm. and we're helping women of color um, achieve success. And so at the show, show wrapped, I got lots of requests to do one-on-one mentorship, which I obviously didn't have the time to do every one individually. Right, right. So I created this academy to help women of color that are in different phases of entrepreneur path, from starting up to in, in a business already, but we can grow it, and then those need funding. We had three different tracks, and we created a path for them, connected them with the resources, had a lot of breakout sessions, right. um, workshops, conferences. We had evening activities, and we had, it was amazing. It was amazing. Um, we sold out. We turned the switch on and sold out tickets in 30 minutes. So we knew that it was definitely something that was going to be um, impactful and extremely was it extremely impactful. <laughs> She's the uh, founder, CEO of Curls, uh, Grow and Slay campaign. And um, my friend, you owe me a lot of, I'm going to put you to work as usual when you come on Money Making Conversation because the work I do for you is about, you know, promoting your brand because you're such a positive, you're such a role model, you're such a leader at, in the industry that they call for it to be started. And you saw the vision to start it in 2002 in natural hair care products. Again, always come on my show knowing that you have a friend in Rashawn McDonald and keep listening to Money Making Conversations, okay? Of course. Hi. <laughs> right. If you want to hear more interviews on Money Making Conversations, go to moneymakingconversation.com. 
I'm Rashawn McDonald. I'm your host. My next guest is on the phone. He is an Emmy Award winning and NAACP Image Award winning actor, award winning stage and television director, producer, humanitarian and cowboy and rodeo performer. That's the part I like the most. His prolific career spans over 50 years, beginning as a teenager acting in New York on Broadway from Cooley High, A Different World, The Wire, loved him in The Wire, Fargo to the Aretha Franklin projects. There is no stopping my man. He's active in the community, in the entertainment game, currently appearing in the Netflix film, Justine, the Warner Brothers film, The Way Back. He is on the show to talk about his awesome career, new projects, my favorite, Camp Giddy Up. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation, Glenn Terman. Hey, how you doing, Sean? Pretty good, my friend. I left that H off, didn't I? Uh, you just, sure did. There you go. Uh, I love it. I was holding my breath. Terman. With, with that great Termin. introduction. That great introduction. Don't, don't put come that on, come on on that, brother. that great introduction. Just, 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 just kick that little, uh, that little math degree out the, out the window there. Hey, Glenn. Right. Uh, you know, when you, when you look at a guy like you that has done so many memorable characters. So I'm not going to say this, memorable, especially when you go back to Cooley High. That's like the classic, classic, classic black movie in the era when black exploitation was dominating the movie screens back then. Can you sum right. up your career before we really get into it? Because I really want people, you, you, you know, we have to say you are a legend. You are a uh, person that uh, inspire your inspiration. Um, you're a, uh, you're a guy who sat down and said, I can make a career out of this. And you have made a career out of it. Tell us about your, your 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 take on your career, and we know it's not done. First of all, it's not an obituary. So, but it is an amazing <laughs> journey. It is an amazing journey. <laughs> well, well, I tell you. Uh, first of all, thank you for for all the kind words uh, that you used to describe me. And uh, the second thing is that all of the, listening to you uh, point out those those things. Uh, made me say to myself, I never thought or tried to achieve any of those accolades that you just heaped upon me. Uh, I was, I'm just a, a young kid from Harlem, New York, who had an opportunity to, to, to do something and be a part of something that was extraordinary. It's not that I went seeking, seeking it. It sort of found me. And, uh, you know, I was blessed to have uh, people around me who continued to nourish me once they saw that I had a talent. Um, I kind of uh, took things for granted, you know, as most young people will. So, so uh, you know, mentors kept me on the path. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, you know, from, from people in, in high school, which is what I went to, the high school performing arts. Mm -hmm. You know, remember the movie Fame? Absolutely. Well, that was the... Yeah, that's that was actually the the year that they're talking about in that sh that movie is the year that uh, my graduating year, mm. and uh, uh, so I knew a lot of the characters. And the, there was a mm -hmm. wonderful teacher there by the name of Vanette Carroll, mm -hmm. who uh, kept me in school and and focused and uh, and guided me, and, and eventually brought me to California. Uh, Vanette Carroll did to perform in a a play here and here's where I stayed but to your point my career has has been really kind of uh, uh, just a blessing you know mm -hmm. because so much has happened that I never would have 
thought would have happened. I just look at myself as a as a blue collar actor. You know, right. I just mm-hmm. get my lunch bucket. I get my lunch bucket. I get a call to go to work. I go to work. I do my job. I come home. You know, <laughs> right, <laughs> that right, kind of, that kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? But the, all the uh, accolades and other things that come with it were like, wow, this comes with with doing what you love. You know. Uh, so, and I think that's probably the main ingredient is that I love doing what I'm doing. I still do. Well, that's that's the impression I've always gotten. You know, from every project I've seen. One of my favorites was, uh, you know, House of Lies, and, uh, and mm-hmm. you know, when you played the sexy grandfather, your know, father role, yeah. and that, you know, with the young with the young lady. You know, I'm Jason Glenn. Yeah, I was feeling yeah, you on that yeah, role yeah, with House yeah, of Lies with John yeah, Cheetah. Yeah. And uh, Lorenz Tate, yes, Lorenz Tate, yes. his character man made me yes. mad so many times. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. Well, that was those were one of the fringe benefits of, of the business, you know, getting to work with opposite beautiful young ladies like like that, and and uh, have a great time with friends, you know, Lorenz Lorenz Tate, you know, he and I go way back to uh, we go back to Inkwell, together, absolutely, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know that that, that was really interesting when I when I when I talk about these. You know, you you know, I always I always looked at it. I I, I can't act. I did stand up comedy. I'm an excellent writer. Manage great talent. And you do it and too. you do it well. Thank you. You do it. You do it all well. <laughs> Thank you. Trust me. But but when I when I, when I look at a talent like you, let's 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 talk about you know. I, I was joking because I really did. Whenever I see you, you 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 make me smile, Glenn. And that's that's something, you know, when I see you, you make me smile. You know, when I watch the movie Justine, which is running right now on Netflix, you make me smile right. with your character when when you when you want to meet with the uh, with the therapist and then uh, you close right. the door. And it, it, yeah. it, it was like, is he acting or he's just being normal? <laughs> because he, he acting, this looks pretty normal to me what he's doing. And, and, and when, you get, when you get that good and when you get that good, it mm-hmm. seems like these motions are just everyday life motions. That it should you're functioning mm-hmm. in life, and so that's what mm-hmm. happened when I when I when I loved you in the wire, which was like God. Yeah, yeah. yeah the wire was great. Such a it? such a fascinating uh, cultural story, and mm-hmm. you was right there playing a realistic character that right. I've had sympathy for. Mm-hmm. That I uh, made me mad sometimes. But, yes, but but isn't that the role of an actor to 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 pull these emotions out of an audience? Yes, it is. That's that's our job. You know, that's that's what we're supposed to be able to hold up a mirror so that you can see yourself as well as others that you know in the characters that we play. You know, and uh, so that's that's what we get paid to do. And that's a that's a wonderful thing. And then, like I said, I wanted to go back to House of Lies because when you're around talented people. It kind of does it. Does it force you or cause you to step your game up? I'm not saying that you never oh, you don't step yeah. up your game. You know, what I'm saying I'm not going to insult you. Yeah. Don't want to insult you. Oh no! But you were a Don Cheeto, and I'm telling you, man, hey, it was some times. It was some times, man. I'm telling you that Lorenzo character, Lorenzo Tate character. I was so mad, and you when you take up for him. I go, I go, is he serious? Lorenz is just sitting over there watching TV all day. Don Cheadle characters out there competing with these white people. Yes, and then the dad coming out, saucing up with the young Philly in the bedroom. Uh, 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 you know, come on now. Your, your brother trying. He trying. I'm trying to figure out, what did he try? 
What did he try? <laughs> what did he try? But ain't that the way it is in the family? But but no, but for sure, ain't that the way it is in your family? Absolutely, siblings and everything. There's always, always, always somebody to get away with stuff. My mama, uh, baby, you got a couple Uh, of cars. Won't you give one of the cars to your sister? Huh? Yeah, yeah. See, see. <laughs> okay, just because I got a couple of, they all used now. They used cars. Now, your boy wasn't balling at the time, all right? But they were my cars. My mama come yeah, over to sure. me. Well, you got two cars. Won't you give one to your sister? Okay. Yeah, yeah, she need a car. She, she need a car. She need a car. She need a car. So I can find that moment relatable because it didn't make any sense right. to me. And guess what she did, right. Glenn? She right. wrecked it. She wrecked it. She wrecked it. I knew you was gonna say that. She, she wrecked it. It was a it was a 1972 green gremlin with no radio. <laughs> it, 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 it still hurt. But you. It still hurts, Tony. It still hurts. Because I can tell you it's green. I can tell you it's no radio. And I can tell you it was 1972. I paid $900 for that car. Cash. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. My sister went out there and wrecked it. I come home. She on the sofa. She in the sofa next to my mama. Baby, your mama mama going to the same routine. Baby, I got something I want to tell you. I tell you, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so when I was going through that, when I was looking, when I, whenever I saw you interact between them two, I just thought back uh-huh. to my mom. I said, "Boy, you had flashback. Did if, you have a flashback? If I didn't heard this character in real life before, <laughs> making well, making uh, a story work uh, for somebody uh, who's trifling, yeah. trifling." Yeah, right, right, right. But see, that's 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 that's. Uh, the, the, the pleasure of working with people who are good at their job. We have right. great writers on that show right. on House mm-hmm. of Lies, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you had to step your game up. You're working with Don Cheadle. You got to step your game up. You oh, got yeah. to bring your A game every day because oh, Don yeah. is a beast. Oh, he's, no, he's a beast. Especially with this yeah, new show, yeah, Black like Monday. Oh, he's a new beast. He's oh, a beast. yeah, he's a beast. As well as, as, well as Lorenz Tate, you oh. know. But the people, the thing that's wonderful uh, with that I, I, I love it, that I've been able to work with wonderful, wonderful people. You know, I started working with in the business, working with the top of the line with Sidney Poitier and mm. Ruby D, mm-hmm. Lou Gossett Jr. You know, in, mm-hmm. the, in the original production of A Raisin in the Sun on mm-hmm. Broadway. Mm-hmm. So that's where I started. So you know, I, I'm always uh, uh, looking to work with the best that I can work with. You know, because they bring the best out of you. You know. Uh, the yeah. cast of The Wire was fantastic, was amazing. Everybody in that cast was mm-hmm. just, would, would, was, you know, was dynamite. You know, it, it's always amazing that, you know, we, we all know that, if you don't know this, Itris Elba, he came from The mm-hmm. Wire. He made, yes. he made a drug dealer likable. Mm-hmm. He made likeable. a drug right. dealer popular. He made a drug mm-hmm. dealer who, who, when he died, we was mad. Yeah. They yeah. killed him. Yeah. Come on, oh, get up, my, get up. Man, my, my wife screamed so loud, I don't know, I just, well, damn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I love talking to you, man. It's like talking to my uncle. I'm telling we just laughing and talking and just sharing stories. Because, right, because right, right. Glenn, here's the deal, because, you know, he got shot on a, in, that, in, that, in that high rise, right, that was under construction. Right. And so, right. so when he got shot, I'm talking about interest character, mm. you know, when yeah. he got shot, Stringer Bell, I still remember the name. Stringer yeah, Bell was the yeah, yeah. character. Stringer name. Bell. Stringer Bell. Right. I kept saying, he got to get up. <laughs> he, he can't be just. He wasn't ready for him to be dead. No, nobody was ready. America was not ready nobody, for him to yeah. be dead. Nobody. That's because, right. That's the truth. Because in the way the character was built, 
okay? You know, mm-hmm. he was mm-hmm. a drug dealer, but he wanted to be more. You know, he educated yeah. himself. Yeah. You know, yeah, and, and and, and that's what that's when I when it and when you, when you talk about not only him, there's just a lot of fantastic people who are working busily working today. Off of that series, mm-hmm. the wife. Off of that show. That's it, it, right. That's the that's amazing right. thing about that series. But I wanted to, I wanted to step back a little bit here, Glenn, and get into mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Where were you born, Glenn? Born, born and raised in Manhattan. In Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Okay. Born in yeah Harlem. I'm from Harlem, New York. Okay. So, so I'm trying to get to this uh this rodeo cowboy thing because well, Jay told me about that. Jay said, you know, he does a he has a rodeo. Yeah, I'm with the Bill Pickett Rodeo. Lou Fasant, who was the founder of the Bill Pickett Rodeo, mm-hmm. asked me and to, to be a part of it uh, that many years ago, and I found a home there, and that's a family and. Been there for ever since. Okay, good. See, now, just, just stop here. See, I, I love when people like you start talking because you miss all them steps, you know. Harlem boy, mm-hmm. Harlem boy. Mm-hmm. Now he's mm-hmm. in Los Angeles. He a rodeo king. 36 years. Because, see, right. see, they'll never ask me to be the grand marshal or the ambassador of any rodeo. So that means that you have to have had a, a skill set, a showcase the moment. On a horse, a, a rope, or something. So tell us, how did you develop that skill, and how did you get into horses? And then we're gonna get on to the camp giddy up. Okay, all right. Well, you know, first of all, the the the, the, the true answer is uh, <laughs> it's in my blood. <laughs> That's the true answer. <laughs> yeah, the true answer is it's in my blood. But uh, like it's in so many of us of of, of, of people of color's blood. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't associate ourselves with that kind of lifestyle. Right. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we were, we came over from Africa. Yes, sir. Uh, where, um, the, you know, there were great horsemen there. And mm. here, my grand, grand, my grandfather, uh, whom I didn't even know on my father's side, I didn't, I never met him. He was dead before I, I was born. Uh, he was a farmer and had horses and mules and all mm. that. So my daddy grew up raised, you know, raised around that kind of life. Mm-hmm. And my daddy moved from from Georgia to Chicago and New York to get away from that lifestyle. Right. Now, like so many of us, you know, especially back in the day, I wasn't raised as a young man with my father around. You know, mm-hmm. so it, I went in this direction on my own of buying horses or riding horses and getting into land and buying land. And once I got to California, coming from a small, small three bedroom, uh, a one bedroom apartment in New York City uh, to a, a, a 20 acre ranch in Los Angeles, California. Thank God mm. for the blessing. Mm-hmm. Uh but I didn't know where that love of the land and the earth came from. Mm-hmm. Where, but I was I was drawn to it. I was always drawn to it. Even when I was living in the New York, I spent a lot of time in Central Park. I'd go to Central Park and clean the stalls at the horse stable in Central Park in order to ride the horse for free. If you mm. Let me, Mister. If you let me clean that stall, uh, I'll clean that stall if you let me ride your horse. And I'd shovel horse, <laughs> and he'd say, "Okay, go ahead, son." <laughs> do that you know that's how badly i wanted to do that mm-hmm. and once i got to california and then started you know in the business and the business was kind to me enough to to uh to to put some ducats in my pocket that i could do something with in terms of uh fulfilling some dreams that became a part of one of the dreams i wanted to fulfill you know and so 
then I little did I know that that desire was in my DNA. Mm. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's the true answer. Right. You know, that's the real answer. Well, that's that's the real answer. That's the honest answer. That's the gift. That's the passion. That I always tell people who come on the show or people who are listening to the show is that we deny ourselves a lot of dreams and a lot of great moments because we go, uh, that ain't me. Or what would people think about if I started doing that? And mm-hmm. and, and, and that's mm-hmm. why, you know, I, you know, I joke and I laugh about but the whole rodeo thing. But, man, I'm in awe. That you know that you're doing that in in a world where it can be so superficial, and then not only that, but you tell us about your camp giddy up because I'm sure it's tied to the the, the horse environment, the rodeo lifestyle, the outdoor <laughs> lifestyle. The young people need to be familiar with because my daughter, she's 22, <laughs> she's not going to go anywhere without her phone, and she she watches YouTube. She I got an 85 inch screen on the wall. She's looking at her phone. So that doesn't mean anything. So tell us about that experience and what is the, what is the purpose of Camp Giddy Up? Well, it's a, one of the things growing up, growing up in New York uh, and being from Harlem, and uh, you know, there's a lot of distractions back in the back in the in, yes, in the city, and uh, I was no different than any other young teenager ready to get get in into some of that mess that was going on, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, my mother, in an attempt to my mother, in an attempt to uh, steer me away from the wrong elements, sent my butt to camp one summer. Sent me kicking and screaming. You know, I didn't want to go because I knew that that, that that summer I had big plans to uh, get my first J. They used to call it. You used to get three JD cards, juvenile delinquent cards back in the day. Yes, yes, yes. You know, yes. if you got if you got your third. Juvenile delinquent card. Then you, they were going to send you to the reformatory. Absolutely, absolutely. But, and so I was working on getting my first one that summer. I knew I was going to get that first. <laughs> I love it. You know, yeah, you're I you're, you're a storyteller too. You need to see. You need to be doing a podcast. Stories by Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> and I knew I was going to get that card. All of us, me and my boys, we was working on that card. A couple of them already had the two or three cards. But uh, I knew I was going to get mine, and my mother must have knew it, too. And she sent me to this thing on camp. And I got to camp, got in the wild outdoors and all that, and the campfires and all the fun that we was having, and the lake and the canoeing and, and all that stuff, and I loved it. I said, oh, God, this is great. I told my mom, boy, I want to go back next year. She said, well, you keep your ass in school, stop playing hooky, get your grades up, and yada, 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 and then I'll send you back next year. So the Doggone it, she found a hook for me, you know? Right, 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 right. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> That's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. I said, oh, shoot, you know? Mm. So I found a reason, I found a reason to say no to the rest of the sh- stuff that, you know, the guys was getting ready to get into. Uh-huh, was uh-huh. saying, come on, man, let's go do this. You know how it goes. And uh, I said, no, man, I can't mess this up. I, I, I got a plan that I want to do. Well, beautiful. I said to myself later, I said, well, if that worked for me, Mm-hmm. That might work for some of these little knuckleheads yes, out sir. here, in, mm-hmm. you know, in the street. Mm-hmm. And I've been blessed. I've been blessed uh, to to you know make some of my dreams come true. Uh, my wife and I have got uh, who was a camper also. By uh, uh, she she grew up going to camps out here in California, so she understood the the the, the value of the camps and the outdoors. And uh, so when I got my my piece of land there, I said, you know, one of the things we can do with this place 
is provide a space for kids to see something different. The stars, mm-hmm. you know, ride horses, mm-hmm. you know, swim in a pond, you know, take hikes and so on and so forth. And do all the stuff that you do at camp. Just get away for a breather uh, and get away from the city. And I promised, what happened was I promised um, Coretta Scott King that that's what I was going to do with uh, was start a camp because this was in 92 and we had just had the, the, the Rodney King's civil unrest mm-hmm. and Coretta Scott King had called a, a, a lot of the community leaders into uh, a, a conference in Atlanta and asked us what did we think we could do to help mm-hmm. heal the city and uh, and some of the unrest and that was my contribution my wife and I's contribution we, I came up with it on the spot mm-hmm. and uh my my wife said, "How are we going to do this?" You know, and I said, "I don't know." But I was doing a different world at the time, the TV mm-hmm. series, a different mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. And so I went. And I asked Sinbad, and I asked uh, Don Lewis, and mm-hmm. Jasmine, and Kadeem. I said, "Hey, y'all, chip in some bucks. I'm going to try and do something up at the ranch." And they did, and uh, we were able to start the, start a camp, and that was uh, 27 years ago. Congratulations. You know, that's, that's a difference maker uh, of what you do. And then people, when you called on your friends and you, as a hot show, a different world. And, you know, that story mm-hmm. has never been told in my, on my show. Yeah. And it needs to be told. And stories yeah. like that need to be told because all, you know, celebrities or sports figures, all you hear about is the next movie. All you hear about is the next score, the next touchdown, the right, next right. championship. Mm-hmm. But it's what you do in mm-hmm. the community, the paying it forward makes such a big difference. And that's why I wanted to make sure people understood, you know, what you're doing I, with Camp I, Gideon. I thank you for that. Thank you. I thank oh, you. For, look, for, let me tell you something. You know, that. first of all, you know, we've been having a great time and I'm, and, and, and we're always going to have a great time because guess what? I'm an admirer of your talents. I'm an admirer of your gifts. I'm a person that's been uh, seeing you afar. I, you know, I've met you several times. It's not, I'm not insulted mm-hmm. that you don't remember me. That doesn't bother me. I'm just letting you know. I have met you, brother. <laughs> I, I can point out your house. I can tell, I can, I can drive to your house right now. I can drive. <laughs> that's, just, that's about as much information I'm going to give, Glenn. I ain't going to give no more. I ain't gonna give no more, <laughs> but that's about as much information I'm gonna give because uh, yeah, because uh, that was hey, like a little. Everybody know because everybody know I've been uh, you know I'm still I'm still here with, with my people. You know. I digress. Let's go back to the why you really called uh, <laughs> called me over here just having this little fun conversation. Justine, I saw the movie on Netflix. Uh, your executive yeah. producers from uh, just from uh, you know that that factory called Ava DuVernay. <laughs> yes, <laughs> hey, she bad. She, she bad, bad. Shut she, your mouth. She yeah. bad, but I just saw that cherish your life, boy. Woo, cherish your day. Yeah. Oh my God, don't yeah. talk about that. Let's, yeah. let's talk about Justine. Yeah. Let's talk about. Yeah. A, 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 a moving piece because uh, one of the stars of the series was uh, physically disabled. And mm-hmm. uh, did you physically? I, this is why I like the. This was my take on him. You had mm-hmm. the, the lead characters were disabled in different ways. One was emotionally mm-hmm. disabled, and then one mm-hmm. was physically disabled. And then right. they were put together in this series mm-hmm. to see how they would interact and deal with their. Their, wow. their their personal crisis, their growth, wow. and mm-hmm. and then you had you in the middle. Right. You, you, those two child actors, fantastic! Right. Oh my yeah, goodness! Wonderful. Oh my wonderful. goodness! Those two mm-hmm. child actors, that little boy. Mm-hmm. You know, you I mean, 
I'm gonna tell you something. You know, when, when I be watching, because I've I've been fortunate. Yeah, 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 kids. Let your audience know you're talking about the, the, the two the two kids who play my grandkids. In it. Yes, yes. Yeah, they're they they they're wonderful as well as the girl who played the, the disabled girl. They're oh, absolutely. All, they're all All of mm. them are fantastic. But when I mm-hmm. when I watch scripts, I've done enough scripts. I've written scripts. And when I see mm-hmm. extra that's being added in a natural state, I go. And I saw mm-hmm. these little kids who played your grandkids. I went, wow. Mm-hmm. They get it. They mm-hmm. they understand. Yeah. They they are fearless and they're natural yes. at it. And so that's yes. their gift. You know, they might go get mm-hmm. a college degree, but boy, right there, I saw their gifts. They might become teenagers mm-hmm. and say, I don't want to act anymore. And that's their right. But boy, what I mm-hmm. saw in this movie and you executive mm-hmm. produced it, were, were, were you part of the casting process too, Glenn? No, I'm, I must say that I was not. I was not. That was all Stephanie Turner. This piece is Justine, uh, uh, was uh, written, directed, produced, and stars Stephanie Turner, mm-hmm. who uh, is the um, the daughter of uh, it's the football coach for the Redskins. Uh, yeah, North no, North Turner, N O R V. North Turner, Dallas yeah, Cowboys, offensive offensive yes, coordinator, right. genius. <laughs> yes, yes, mm-hmm. and she as an actress was tired of not getting the roles that she wanted. Right. Uh, you know, finding that uh, women were not given the opportunities they had to play the characters and the depth that she thought should be uh, uh, put on the screen. And so she took it upon herself to put this piece together and saw me on, um, as I was doing a spin on uh, how to get away with murder. Right. <laughs> uh, yes, yes, TV yes, yes, series. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, she... Uh, called my agents asking if I would be interested in being a part of this script. So mm-hmm. It was a small, independent movie, mm-hmm. low budget, mm-hmm. and she was hoping that I would be able, to, you know, to see something in it enough to want me to be a part of it. And uh, I did as soon as I read it. You know, it's a wonderful, wonderful story. That, like you say, the, you know, the handicapped characters uh, are. Uh, are in their conditions in so many different ways. Yes. And mm-hmm. uh, that was really a studio to, to, to put it like that. I, I had no one had put it like that before. And, oh, it was uh, beautiful. I was, so, I, was, I, was, I was embraced by the, the movie mm-hmm. uh, premise. I, was, I, I mm-hmm. understood her loss because the fact mm-hmm. that you, you couldn't understand it, but I, but you, which is great for the character because frustration is led by tell me what's wrong. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can't tell people mm-hmm. what's wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, that's and right. and like, right. the, like, the, like the therapist told you, Look, leave her alone. Leave her alone. Yeah, right. You trying right. to you trying mm-hmm. to make something happen, but let it happen mm-hmm. in its natural course. In natural course, mm-hmm. and, and you know everybody tries to, and sometimes people in general people do that. That's what leads to frustration. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes I ask my mm-hmm. daughter to come quick; she might not come as quick as I want. Then I get mm-hmm. frustrated. Yeah, What's right. the problem here? Right, sure. Did you yeah, hear me? Yeah, yeah, And, yeah, and yeah. it's the same thing. This movie is about. Challenging the process, challenging racism, challenging living or working in an environment that you really don't want to be in, but you deal mm-hmm. with it, you get frustrated, and then when somebody asks to hear the truth, guess what? It can come out like a hot ball of water, and that's what it did. Right. And uh, right, right. But, uh, I just like to say, I, I, my, my main thing in, in bringing you on the show, Glenn, first of all, was just to introduce myself to you, tell you I'm a fan. 
Secondly, let yeah, you know I mean. that the impact that you have and will have in this industry is mm-hmm. a blessing. Um, this Thank movie, you. Justine, as soon as they told me you was booked for the show, I immediately watched it, enjoyed it. Oh, and I got my yeah, wife to yeah. watch it. She enjoyed it. And so, Did she like it? Oh, absolutely, like it? Yeah, absolutely, good. absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful. Yeah. You know, because it's, it's your body of work. But like I said, my favorite scene in that movie was when you when you was when you when when you was with the therapist and you closed that door. That to me, I mean, mm. this guy, I don't know if he mm. is he acting now or he just being himself. <laughs> and that's the beauty of your skill, Glenn. And don't change. Mm, man, thank and, you. And, uh, no, thank you. Thank and uh, you. let me ask you one question. Well, hey, man, don't, don't, don't forget, don't forget to uh, uh, um, uh, this 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 situation here. It, it it shut us down like it did all of Hollywood. The oh, you talking about the, the Ben Affleck movie? With, yeah, no, no, I'm talking about Fargo, actually. I'm oh, talking absolutely. about Fargo absolutely. with Chris Rock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chris Rock and his Chris Rock and I are doing a center on Fargo. I'm great. When do you guys see Chris in this serious role? It's really, really something I'm looking forward to. Yeah, the and upcoming project, yeah, the April. fourth season right. of Fargo. Yes, you play Dr. Oh, Sinner. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, right, that's right. Yeah, you got Washington produced adaptation of August Wilson, award-winning Mar Rainey's Black Bottom. You know, you got Toledo. Mm-hmm. Man, look at you busy. You busy. Yeah, I, I, well, I don't, when you, you have know. time to ride a horse, but boy, you you <laughs> make the time to do everything else. <laughs> Again, well, do, do me a favor, Glenn. Tell Thank your people you, to brother. send me Thank the posters so and send me trailers so I can promote your brand. I got mm. almost a million right. followers, a uh, two hundred thousand mm, fan club right. members, and I'm on podcasts. No, I'm syndicated in thirty thirty markets. I'm here to promote your brand. I'm here to say thank you for being you well. and don't change. Uh, thank, thank you, man. Thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate it. This, this was a fun interview. This is one of the most fun interviews I've had. So I want to do it. I'm gonna tell you something, man. I'm laughing. I'm gonna tell you something, man. See right there, your laugh making me smile because, man, you know, they should have had you on like five thousand toothpaste commercial because your smile, brother, your smile, your laugh, and your smile on fire, man. On fire, dude. On fire. Keep winning, brother. I appreciate you. Bye, bye. Okay, baby. Same. Hi, that's right, my man. This is Rashawn McDonald. If you want to hear any more episodes of Money Making Conversations, just go to moneymakingconversation.com. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I'm your host. My next guest, I am a fan. You know, I'm kind of a fan. Everybody comes on the show, but she stars in one of my shows I watch a lot. Supergirl. Okay, cool. Just let you know, I'm I'm kind of like a sci-fi nut. My next guest stars in the Tyler Perry produced If Loving You Is Wrong. You know, back in the day when I was growing up, it was always finished. If Loving You Is Wrong, I Don't Want to Be Right. That was my song back in the day. Woo! But the title of this drama is if loving you is wrong it's a sexy drama that takes viewers into the lives of a group of husbands wives and friends that live and love in the same middle class neighborhood called maxine she has been seen regularly on the cw's supergirl tnt's the last ship free forms the fosters and abc's how to get away with murder but she's on money making conversations today please welcome to money making conversations april parker jones apj hello hello peace and blessings <laughs> Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for coming on the show. Yes, thank you. Thank you for your energy. I I need it today. Well, it's good you need it because, first of all, (laughs) it's a career. I always bring people on the Money Making Conversation. You know, they have success in their lives, and you have continued success in in a very difficult business in S Entertainment. Yes. uh, You've been a guy, you know, I I left IBM to pursue a career as a stand up comic and 
And then after that, mm-hmm. I became a sitcom writer on television shows. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that you that television show is going to go 22 episodes or 80 episodes or 10 episodes or going yeah. to go two years or three years. So you, you always operate in an environment of uh, uncertainty. So, t- but, yes. but your career, let's go back to where it kind of started. HBCU. Okay. North Carolina oh, yes. Central. You from Durham? Oh yes. Talk about that experience. Girl, right. a, a, a little, you know, a little, little, yeah. little black girl, you know, in Durham, North yeah. Carolina. Talk about the big dreams, and you know, when you talk, when you from a, I would call Durham a small town, but it's not a big city. And when you're talking no, about big not. dreams, how did you manage to to believe they were possible from your environment? Well, you know, hey, listen, let me let's just break it down. Let's strip it all down with God. All things possible. And you know, mm-hmm. you know, again from a small town, uh, you know, I was uh, I was rooted uh, in, in in God and the possibilities that the universe can uh, can send your way. And hey, I was a small town girl with big dreams, and I just uh, I, I chose career. It, it really, it, excuse me, the career kind of chose me, mm-hmm. and uh, and I and it, we fell in love with each other, and uh, and I just didn't quit. I persevered, you know, and I, and I know that's kind of cliche, but it's, it's one of those things, if you stick with something long enough, you'll find success in it if you have passion for it. Mm-hmm. And I have a passion for it, and, uh, and I give thanks to, to that small town, the Durham. I give thanks to Hillside High School. I give thanks to NCC World. Um, and I just give thanks to, to, to those people who poured into me in that little small town, including my mom and, mm-hmm. and my church family and the recreation centers there. And uh, I'm, I'm just grateful. I'm, I'm, I'm able <laughs> to be talking to you and still, and still being able to live my dream. I, I still have so much more to do. Um, I can't wait to see what the universe holds, man. Well, yeah. let's, well let's talk about this current universe. You know, if loving okay, you okay. is wrong, own oh, yeah, that I'm be right. You know what I'm saying? Own Network. Mm-hmm. Tyler Perry yep. produced because you know it's going to be salacious because I watch oh, all yeah. his shows, you know. I oh, am a Tyler Perry nut, okay? Oh, now, thank you. Let's talk thank about you. this. Thank you. This show here. I'm going to let you tell everybody okay. about the show. And then Rashawn McDonald going to come back uh, and give his version, okay? So, you know, this is going to be uh, a little information. You know, let your boy, let you know your boy know. is in love with what you're doing and in love with this okay. show. So set us up. Well, tell us about the show. It. I'm gonna keep it short because I'm I'm really excited to hear your take on it. Okay, cool. And, and okay. Listen, I could I could I, I could always say a, a, a little bit about the show. I, I just have to take you have to experience it. Mm-hmm. So this show, like you said in the introduction, uh, it's a, it's about the lives of these five friends mm-hmm. who live in a town called Maxine. Mm-hmm. They're all from somewhat different walks of life, um, but they live in a town where there's a drama that ensues every day. Whether that drama is affairs. Murder, uh, scandal, uh, all the things you can think of when it comes to drama. This this little small town has uh, endured it. My character, who I play, I'm one of the five ladies. Her name is Natalie Henning. I would say Natalie is probably one of the more level-headed of five, and I say that in in uh, in, in respect to that she she she's one of the more relatable characters. Mm-hmm. Um, like nosy, like kind of nosy it. though. You kind of nosy now. Kind of nosy and, and, and protective. I like to, <laughs> I like to classify, I like to categorize her more as protective. Okay. She okay. You know, you know, I'm trying, I'm being, I'm being nice oh, here. And then, so and then cut Poe Randall, you know yeah. what I'm saying? <laughs> right, right. But she will cut you if need be. And she'll, she'll, she'll do whatever she has to do to protect the one she loves. And mm-hmm. I've enjoyed playing Natalie so much. She's still a lot like me in a lot of ways, but also very different too in some ways. But um, but a lot like many of the people 
watch her. It can really relate to her. Somebody in their family is probably like Natalie. Absolutely. I, I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did that a lot. Just when I live, you know, live my life, going to the store, you know, I don't have people stop me. You know, my auntie is just like you. Oh, you know what, girl? Your character, Natalie, is just like me. Mm-hmm. So Natalie's a, a stable mom. She's, uh, she's in a relationship with uh, Lucian, who's played by Charles Lee Whitfield. Uh, Excellent actor. Anderson Excellent actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wonderful. And just a wonderful human being. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's been a roller coaster ride. She, she's one in the group who has lists a lot of money. She lives on the outskirts of town before moving into Maxine. But now she lives in Maxine with the rest of the ladies. And uh, and her and, and as the seasons progressed, you know, her her life started to change. And she was on a, a evolution of doing better and kind of living out her dream and her family. But the drama still follows. So uh, and, it, and it still follows up until this new season. And I can't wait to see what viewers uh, are gonna are gonna are gonna be able to, to find out. Now, I want to hear your take okay, cool. <laughs> on this cool. loving you as mom. Okay, cool. Please okay, cool. Thank you very okay. much, April Parker Jones. <laughs> if yes, loving yes. you is wrong, it's produced by Tyler Perry. Mm-hmm. It's a sexy drama that takes viewers into the lives of a group of husbands, wives, and friends that live and love in the same middle class neighborhood or town called Maxine. This is the fifth and final mm-hmm. season. April. Your character's Natalie. I think she kind of nosy. I think she bothered too many people. But guess what? I'm just a viewer and just telling you what I see. You're married to the goody two-shoe okay. police officer, Lushan, which is my name with an L. Rashawn Lushan. That's it. <laughs> Kelly. Now, Kelly is in jail for the murder of Travis Kane and is being helped by goody two-shoe police officer Lucian and Rick. Now Rick has another agenda because he kind of likes Kelly. I kind of noticed that along the show. He doing way too much for a police officer. And then when he touched her hand a little bit, when her hand was on the in the jail cell, I noticed a little energy push on that. Now Travis Kane, he's no longer in the show because he's dead. He stalked a lot of women at the church. The church settled with nine women when the same allegations hit Kelly. Now she in jail. They want to just put her in jail for a double life. In fact, the DA wants to kill her. That's what I'm just telling y'all straight yeah. up. Now, Kelly is represented by a public defender because the lawyer that they wanted to hire, attorney Ian, I'm going to get to him later because he's very key to the cliffhanger at the end of the show. Now, attorney Ian, he works for Larry. Larry know everybody. Larry is, um, we'll get to him a little bit later. So, Dr. Okay. Attorney Ian, he's playing the double agent for Larry because Larry he actually represents the Kane family, so his firm yeah. does. And Attorney Ian, he cannot represent somebody in that be like litigation drama. So he says, right. "Look, I won't represent, <laughs> but I guide the college student, public mm-hmm. defender. You can say whatever. He don't know nothing coming up with that nice little tight suit and them clean shoes. But he's never <laughs> done any big case in his life. Now let's go to the sexy right. Esperanza. Now, ah." Uh-huh. Esperanza, okay, let's talk about her. She went to Larry. Larry, okay. again, everybody go to Larry. I don't know why everybody go to Larry, because Larry is as messy as you come. He's a lawyer, know everybody's business, okay? But Esperanza <laughs> rolls up in there, because everybody go to Larry, right? I want to get divorced yep. from her crazy husband, Eddie. Eddie is also mm-hmm. a police officer. Where do you think the Esperanza works? At the police station. So we have a problem right there. She's at the police station. She can't get away from her crazy husband who's a crazy cop. She wants to get a divorce from the crazy cop and get sole custody. Right there, you know there's going to be a problem. Dun, 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 dun. Now, I'm not through yet because like I said, Randall, that's my man. 
Randall's in shape. Mm-hmm. You know, pull off that shirt. Got everything working. Six pack, chest puffed oh, out. Yeah. Even in the shirts that he wear, you can tell he fine, fine, <laughs> fine, fine. That is a staple of all Tyler Perry series. You gonna have fine, the fine, 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 fine man that fits Randall's bill. He's fine, okay, yeah. but he's also, yeah. but he also can act. He's also crazy. Let me tell you a little thing about yes. it. See, everybody lives right across from each other, right next to each other, so you don't have to walk far to get in trouble, Randall. He right. has had been having a sexual affair with the white lady next door. Who mm-hmm. name is Alex? That's very key that you hear the name Alex because we're going to throw a little drama on that name a little bit later on because I am wrapping up the season guiding you to the cliffhanger, which is going to be right. the start of Tuesday, March 31st, when this series just um, takes off. Everybody get crazy. Everybody got to get crazy yeah. on this series. Okay? Because Richard McDonald is telling you, you got to watch this series. Now, now Randall, yeah. He thinks that Alex has his child. Why does he think mm-hmm. that? Because the baby got black features. Da, 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 da. Her husband is a white guy. He refused to mm-hmm. take the DNA because he know he has no black ancestry in his life. But here's the funny mm-hmm. part about it. Brad, who's married to Alex, who wants to get a divorce for Alex, and Randall, who's having sex with Alex, right next door, Brad is dating Marcy, who used to be married to Randall. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, uh, uh. At this point in the story, you're going, Rashawn, can it get any deeper? You darn rooting tootin'. Because there's a bipolar oh, yeah. white lady that lives across the street who walks across <laughs> in front of the windows all the time. Reason is, she told Natalie, Natalie, I walk around. <laughs> I walk, I walk around the house in the nude. Natalie said, should you close the curtain? The crazy bipolar white lady said, I'm afraid of the dark. <laughs> so you look perplexed. Okay. <laughs> Obviously, she likes showing the black man who is Randall sitting across the street with binoculars. I'm going to tell you something. That is what you call an obvious peeping tone. To be sitting across the street right. with some binoculars staring across the street in the house of the bipolar white lady who walks around buck naked. Okay, cool. Now, I'm coming to the end now. Be patient with me. I hope you're hanging with me. I hope I have said nothing wrong yet. Have I, April Parker Jones? Everything's still legit? No, no. Okay, cool. Now, cool. bring it on to the end. Okay, here we go. Now, Bennett, he's married to the bipolar white lady. They're millennials, okay? One day, Benny comes home. The bipolar white lady got to tell you what's going wrong because she refuses to take her meds. That's why I keep mentioning that because that plays a big role in the series. She either take her meds or shouldn't she take her meds? She refuses to take her meds because she wants to have a child. Well, guess what? You got to keep taking these meds. So Benny walks in one day. She's painting. Guess who she's painting? She's painting Randall. And guess what he's wearing? Nothing in the painting. He's buck naked. <laughs> buck naked. Oh well, guess what? Bennett doesn't take this too kindly. So he drops a death threat bomb on Randall's house. I'm going to leave it at that. A death right. threat bomb on Randall's house. Okay, cool. We're coming to the end. Okay. Now, April Parker Jones. I have not made any mistakes yet in this storytelling, have I not? I'm leading you and guiding you to the end of the fourth season, which is going to lead to a climatic and tremendous final fifth season of If Loving You Is Wrong, produced by Tyler Perry. Oh, yeah. Now, 
Okay. Larry comes back into the picture, right? Larry. Oh, yeah. Larry meets with Eddie, and we discover Larry likes Eddie. Mm. Da, 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 da. Eddie said, mm. I don't roll like that. Larry said, yes, you do. Mm. Mm. That's going to happen in the fifth season. Okay? So you got to find out, is Eddie like oh. that or not like that? Now, Eddie got oh, bruises. So now, if you watch the end of the series season, Eddie got bruises all over his face. You know why? Because right. Stephen beat him up. Who is Steven? Right. That's Esperanza. I don't want to call him. I will not call him her man because she's not having that type of relationship. But Steven is beating up Eddie like, <laughs> like he wants oh, to be yeah. a man. Cool. Now, we're coming right. down to the end here. The DNA test. The big DNA test. So they get him to the hospital. Alex is there. The doctor who trying to maintain her license is there. Two people who can't speak are there in the room. <laughs> Larry walks in the room. <laughs> Randall walks in the room. Reads the DNA test. Randall officially gets the word, you are not the father. Randall's stunned because guess what? The baby got black features. So we come to the wow. end. I think Remember, you, I yeah. said something about Ian Turner, Doc, 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 uh, the attorney Ian. We about to bring him on back into the picture. Mm-hmm. At April's house, which is she plays the role of Natalie and Lashawn. Mm-hmm. Brad comes mm-hmm. into the house with Alex, and mm-hmm. Alex says, "I don't want a divorce." Brad said, "You get a divorce. I need a witness." Mm-hmm. Catches pulling mm-hmm. Lashawn off guard. But he's a goody two shoe mm-hmm. cop, so he goes with the flow. Cause Miss Nosey, mm-hmm. that's at April's character, played by the, which is Natalie. Well. She's in everybody's mix anyway. As they say, you know, she's drinking everybody coffee and mixing their tea. That's what she does on this Ooh. show. Okay? Because she stabbed okay. Paul Randall, even though that's another story. But that's but another had, I digress. Yeah, he had to come. Let me go to let he me let come. me go to the end. Oh no, also also okay. wish he'd burned in the fire too. But that's another season. That's another season. We we try to get yes. to the fifth season. So yes. so officially, Brad has already asked Marcy to marry him. Marcy is the ex wife of Randall. Okay. Right. She said no. Talking about, hey, let's build this relationship a little longer. We've been, you know, get your freedom first. Because he had not gotten his freedom when he asked to marry right. her. Even showed her the ring. Right. It's all official now. In the house of LaShawn and Natalie. Natalie plays the character. Characters played by April Parker Jones. It's official. The divorce gives it to the guy who can't speak. He walks out <laughs> with the papers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then. We're getting closer to the end. Attorney Ian, mm. he had met earlier in the episode, he had met Jennifer. and th- I mean, Alex, and thought she was Jennifer. Somebody he had mm-hmm. dated on Facebook or Tinder or some dating site. She said, I've never met mm-hmm. you in my life. I've never met you in my life. She's very adamant. I've never met you in my life. Well, guess what? He knew that woman so at the end of the episode we know the baby's not Randall's even mm-hmm. though it has black features we know not Brad because mm-hmm. Brad claims to be 100% white <laughs> cliffhanger is they're walking on the sidewalk Ian mm-hmm. grabs her I know you you say your name is Alex but you're Jennifer 
She said, would you get out of my face? He says, hard for me to get out your face when I got a screenshot of you on my phone. Da, 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 da. Uh-oh. Ian, Uh-oh. attorney Ian, is the father <laughs> of Alex's baby. That is the cliffhanger along with Randall got his house with a bomb dropped on it. You don't know what he going to mm-hmm. do. You don't know if mm-hmm. Brad and Marcy going to get together. You don't know if Esperanza is going to get a divorce. You don't mm. know if Steven going to beat up Eddie again. You don't know if Larry going to get together with Eddie. You don't know if Paul mm. Kelly going to ever get out of jail. If she get out of jail, is Officer Rick going to be waiting on her? And LaShawn, mm. he almost went to jail himself because he thought Kelly had ran away. That's the fourth yes. season and all encompassing seasons. If loving you is wrong, it's wrong. Come on, April uh, Parker Jones. Did I deliver? I, did I deliver for you? I, I might as well just hang up the phone because you have delivered, honey, more than I, 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 I could have ever done. You said it. You wrapped it all up. And you left, I know you left me on edge of my seat waiting for tomorrow to get here Woo, at 10 o'clock. I, I tell you, you I had to tell you I love you, girl. Day. And so mm-hmm. what I love about your career is that you know, going into the fifth season of Tyler Perry, and you've been working all this time on other projects, ABC, Freeform, CW. Talk mm-hmm. about, walk us through that whole process and when you realize that things are starting to get a little bit better in your career, and we're also going to get back to the grand finale of uh, the, the grand premiere of the final season of uh, If Love Is Wrong. But, yeah. but you have a career yeah. that we need, to, we need to tell the fans about and also, well, also congratulate yeah. you on. Thank you, thank you so much. And uh, it's been a it's been a journey, and it's 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 a continuous journey in this industry. It's an uncertain journey, journey. Um, but that's that's the, what we choose to accept when we decide we want to be in the entertainment industry. That it does come with a lot of uncertainty. But I've been blessed. I've been very blessed uh, because I haven't given up. Um, and I encourage your listeners if they are looking to pursue a career in the entertainment industry, that the biggest thing is just to don't quit, just continue to persevere. Listen, it's, it, it took me 10 years uh, in Hollywood before I booked this Tyler Perry um, show, was Loving You Was Wrong, and which I was a series regular on for five seasons. But it took 10 years of, of, of working up to that mm-hmm. um, and uh, of doing great shows, a lot of guest stars, a lot of co-stars, a lot of recurring roles on awesome major networks. Um, but I know that even through those two years, it, it, the best is still yet to come. There's still so much, so much bigger roles to come for me. But I'm so grateful that I had a chance to work with actors like Paul Davis, and um, and uh, of course uh, working with Tyler Perry and working under uh, Oprah's network own. I can't wait to see what, what's in store. But it has come with work. It's come with work. It's come with uh, a lot of rejection too. Um, you know, it, 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 everything it glitter ain't gold. You know, it's 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 a lot of being told no, but learning how to celebrate the yeses. Right. Um. So I'm just I'm just really grateful for this opportunity, and um, I feel like that I'm I'm leaving um I'm a bit by bit as years go by. I feel like I'm starting to leave a mark in this mm-hmm. industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and leaving a, leg- a legacy for myself and for my children, um, uh, and for for those who who do look to me for inspiration. Those small town uh, young women from, from from places like Durham, North Carolina. Um, so yeah, I'm just I'm just grateful, grateful to be talking to you, and grateful to be promoting the final season of It's Loving You Is Wrong. It's been a treat, <laughs> you know. We, we were on this show for five five years, and it and it, it changed my life. It changed my life, and um, so to see it come to an end is is hard. Right. But this all, all things have to come to an end, and this one's coming to an end to make room 
for the new things that are, are coming, uh, hopefully, in the in your future. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I'm talking to April Parker Jones. She plays the character Natalie on the hit uh, own series, is OWN, Oprah Winfrey's Network. Um, yep. If Loving You Is Wrong, it premieres. March Tuesday, March 31st at 10 p.m. And if you missed the premiere, yep. you can catch it every Tuesday on OWN Network, mm-hmm. uh, 10 Eastern and Pacific, mm-hmm. 9 p.m. Central. Mm-hmm. It's called If Loving You Is Wrong. I'm a fan of the show because yep. it's classic Tyler Thank Perry. You. It's classic Tyler it Perry. Is. It's messy. It's <laughs> sexy. It has interracial yes. relationships. It got the fine oh, black that. dude in it. You know, yes. it's a formula that works. And then you got the nosy yeah. Natalie character. That girl, see, <laughs> let, let, let's take a little, little moment here because I got you on the phone here with yeah. me, you know because you know okay. you, you're trying to you know so see i know your character your character one of my sisters always be getting on my nerve you yep. know be yep. calling me about information i don't want okay because here's right. the deal your poor husband he's a goody two-shoe cop as LaShawn, or police mm-hmm. officer LaShawn. Mm-hmm. okay and she already mm-hmm. told somebody on the show that if anybody tried to mess with her husband or take a husband she gonna kill him she already said not not notice this now see her character is kind of weird because she's she's she, she's 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 a nice, violent woman. Okay, when I say that, nice violent, nice mm-hmm. violent. You know what I'm saying? Because I've never met a kind of like a <laughs> you kind of like the neighborhood watch lady, and you kind of yeah. you you know, but but you have yeah. a violent tendencies that pop up on, or, or you or you let people know don't don't well, don't take this nice serious. Only one push. Only one push. Yeah, she 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 didn't walk around violent. It's only only one push, and if she's pushed, she has no problem to push back. Right. That's all. That, 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 yeah. There we go. But Only she's married day. to a cop, okay? So which lets you know that she has a little protection on the side. Paul LaShawn, he oh, yeah. really don't know all these things about her, okay? <laughs> he don't know she's just aggressive. He knows that when he walks through that front door, if the neighborhood got a problem, his wife is going to tell him about it. Am I right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She's, she's, she's gonna know she's gonna have the tea and the coffee and mm-hmm. uh, whatever other beverage okay, oh cool. yeah she's okay. she natalie will know okay so mm-hmm. do me a favor for the fans if loving you is wrong because I, I i mentioned you have randall and right across the street is bennett and his wife you know mm-hmm. and then next door to randall is uh is uh is brad and, and alex or slash jennifer they live there mm-hmm. okay where do everybody <laughs> else live where does ian live and where do you live in relation to that to, to those homes you know what's a really good question i know i live pretty much across <laughs> the street from, <laughs> from ian um uh randall's house maybe two houses down on the left right. <laughs> so right. We're, right. We're, we're, we're uh we're all at the Kelly is right next door. Esperanza is around the corner of right. the block. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're all pretty pretty close proximity. You, you throw a rock, you you love to hit one of those characters you just named. So we <laughs> we're close enough to know each other's business. Let's just say that. You know, you know, I you know, I travel a lot, and my friends always they always laugh at me, or they go, Richard, how do you watch? all that television how do you do that <laughs> you know, they, right. they always amazed but I, one thing I was, I was a traveling comedian when I started out mm-hmm. at IBM and started the career as a comedian so I, and I, mm-hmm. I've done cruise ships just like you said that's a journey to where you for me right. to be able to have this, it, yeah. have this conversation with you on my show Money Making Conversations you know be able to say right. create a level of respect that people book you on the show and you come on the show go okay Oh, Rashad McDonald, I talked to him. Okay, cool. And so that's that's mm-hmm. a journey to get to there. You know, there are peaks and valleys and a lot more valleys. Because yeah. when you look at it, it it's not all bad. Because life is not about, no. you know, success. It's about living. Right. And that's what you're saying. Absolutely. That 10-year 
gap, you know, because you, you, she knows what I was talking yeah. about. You know, I, I played that role where I, I was on a, in a film or I was in a television show and they said, look, you cannot speak. You sit there and uh, <laughs> maybe one day we'll give you a five and under. Five and under is five lines and under. That's when you when you get that five and under, then you really rocking the role. And then you can put an actual acting or a role on your resume. Credit, yeah. Credit. Right. So a lot of people, they put extra mm-hmm acting roles on their resume in the beginning. They're just trying to get in. They're trying to fit in where they can fit in. They'll say they act. They, right. were, they were on Spider-Man 3, 4, and 6. Okay? And didn't say a word. But guess what? They got to build their hey, resume. I was on Spider-Man 3, though. I know. I know. You know, I know that. You know how that's why I brought up Spider-Man. Come on now. What you know? Let me tell you something, April. What you're not going to do is come on my show and act like I don't know who I'm talking to. That's what you're not going to do. Now, I'll be back. You know, you, you're I, not gonna do me like that now. Okay. I ain't gonna do you like that. You, because you were doing, you, you played me. Yeah, I was Spider Man three. Oh, oh, really? I, so I just grabbed Spider Man out of the sky. Well, you know, you know, I just want, in order to kind of drive home your point, I just want to point that out. And it was a very small role, so I, and, and, and so yes. Hey, but to it was your a, point exactly. Mm-hmm. You did speak. It went down on I your resume. Did. Mm-hmm. As a it credit. sure did. Mm-hmm. It sure and, did. And then, yeah. and then you take these opportunities and people look at it. They go, okay, let me bring her in for an audition. And then when you have that audition, right. that's when you have to make it re- a, that, that, that little credit that brought you in that door has to become a reality. Because they're mm-hmm. asking you to perform to a level because there is an investment. People understand that when you when you hire actors and directors and especially actors, they are important because they're reading lines and these lines have to come to life in a very realistic manner. OK, and mm-hmm. that's the, the, the most the biggest blessings that I've had in my life is watching people take scripts that I've written and bring them to life. That's that's mm-hmm. a beautiful thing. Talk to us about that whole function of getting a script and being able to prepare your your mindset and deliver these deliver a character that you feel you can deliver or the character they want you to deliver. Walk us through those steps, April Parker Jones. Well, it's just the the, the steps that I use or the, the the journey for me has just been to to read the script and find a, and and see if there is a immediate connection to the character. <laughs> um, and if there is a a connection, that just it helps me to be able to portray that character in a more realistic way. Um, sometimes there's not always going to be an instant connection to a character. So it's my job as an actor to make choices about what I can, what I can, what I can imagine about this character that, that will make it relatable to me so that when I portray it, it's realistic. Mm-hmm. Because, and, and it, makes the, it makes the viewer feel a certain emotion. So that's that's my job, and, um, and that's probably a lot of actors' job, is to find uh, either a way to connect themselves to that character, uh, if there's not an immediate one, then to create a choice uh, that makes that character con- uh, connect connect with them so, so that it's realistic. Remember, we're, we're, we as actors are just portraying mm-hmm. uh, re- reality. We're trying to reenact re- re- realism. So in, uh, in order to do that, we got to make it fit for us. So that's, that's been my journey. And, and it's fun and it's hard and it's challenging, um, but that's why we do it, to grow and to get better. And, and I hope that through the years I've been able to make the audience, make the viewer mm-hmm. feel that my portrayal was real. Um, that's, that's my journey, to make, to make the, that, that character feel real to that person. So cool. I think I've been able to accomplish that. You have. Yeah. You have. Talking to April Parker Jones, AP, 
you know, April APJ, as I like to call her. She plays APJ. Natalie, APJ. Natalie on the hit mm-hmm. series on own network called If Loving You Is Wrong. Uh, again, uh, yeah. the, the, it premieres uh, Tuesday, March 31st. If you missed the premiere, yep. don't miss the premiere. First of all, I, I set everybody up letting you know that 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 attorney Ian and stop Alex slash Jennifer on the block on the uh-huh. sidewalk and accused her uh-huh. and he's confronted her saying hey is that black child my child mm-hmm. that's your cliffhanger mm-hmm. right there now if that don't drive you back to watching the show you got a problem oh yeah let me just remind oh, you yeah. what to expect in the upcoming fifth and final season of if loving you is wrong you got larry He's in everybody's business. He handles the case for Kane, Travis Kane, who Kelly, you know, she's in jail for the murder of Travis Kane. Now, Travis Kane is important because Kelly is not going to be represented by a public defender who is being led on the side by attorney Ian. And attorney Ian works for the law firm that represents Kane, which is Larry. Larry has already hinted that there can be a relationship that he needs to have a relationship with Eddie. Eddie said, I don't walk like that. He said, yes, you do. That's another reason you should watch. Then you have Steven out there. He wants a bigger relationship with Esperanza, who's fine as heck now. I understand from a physical standpoint why he want to get with crazy Esperanza. But so he already beat up pole Eddie wants. It may be another beat up for Eddie or guess what Eddie might go to the gym and learn how to beat up him this time then you have Paul Randall mm-hmm. Paul Randall he's at the house by himself Bennett and dropped a bomb death threat on his house can't tell you what happened you got to watch the series to find out then you got Bennett's bipolar wife reason not to bring that up because she refuses to take her meds is drawing is, is painting new photos or new portraits of Randall who lives directly across the street now, if and then you have Lucian, goody two shoe, then you have Officer Rick, who's out there touching, leaving little touches to make you believe there might be some interest for him into Paul Kelly, who's sitting behind jail in an orange jumpsuit. She's tired of it. <laughs> hair still combed. I don't know how hair stand comb, stand that comb in the jail, but her hair stays combed. Then you have Paul Natalie walking a mile to get her groceries. I don't understand that. In the year, in the year, we have Uber today. She got her own car, but she walks a mile one way, then she walks a while back the other way with her groceries. Randall thought that was the craziest thing he had ever heard in his life, and laughed real loud at her. That is a wrap up of season one, two, three, four, yep. leading into a yep. tremendous fifth and final season. April, if I missed anything, please let me know, because you know I don't oh, want to no. leave out no detail of this great series. <laughs> You left out no detail, and like I said, you have set fans up to definitely tune in tomorrow, everybody, March 31st, 10 p.m. on all. You're in for a ride, I guarantee. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm so grateful. Um, and I, I just appreciate your enthusiasm for the show and your support. Thank you. And we'll be back because I want to, you know, we got that movie coming out. That uh, the, the, when you play the character Morgan, we'll talk about that later. But I know you was on this phone to talk about if loving you is wrong. It's a great series. It deserves one hundred percent support. When that comes out, let me thank know. You. Come back on the show, okay? Okay, we'll do. We'll do. I thank you so much. I appreciate you. Awesome. Thank, thank you. you. All right, okay, this is Rashawn McDonald. Care. You're listening to Money Making Conversation. Um, if you want to hear more episodes of Money Making Conversations, go to MoneyMakingConversations.com. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I'm your host. 
It's time. This young man, it's time. My next guest is a stand-up comic. Right there. Let's start right there. A stand-up comic. That's what I used to be. But I always it's hard for me to say that because I always feel I'm going to always be a stand-up comic. But I got to say that's wow. what I used to be because of the fact that wow. that's what he does. That's what he does for a living. And he's one of the best at it. He's an actor and a wow. writer. As a comedian, as a comedian, he has performed all over the country and made various TV appearances. A 20-year stand-up veteran who has made his living performing, acting, writing for TV and film, and training other comedians. You hear me right there? Mm. Training other wow. comedians. David has performed on Comedy Central, the BET. He has three stand-up specials to his credit and released his fourth Fat Ballerina, produced by my man, Kevin Hart. Fat Ballerina. Woo! It's on Netflix right now. That's what I saw. When I saw, I'm telling you, I was laying in bed. I went, is that You know, because what happens is, you know, hey, brother, we all at the house, okay? I'm going right, through, and right. really, really, I saw you before the whole pandemic thing got going. Right. So I saw right. you. So so I, I go to Netflix. I got you know Netflix comes up. Push my my little avatar. Boop. Cause my wife got yep. an avatar. My daughter got an avatar. You know like like they looking at something different than I'm looking at. We all look got the same Netflix program. So I I go okay, and I see who's that David? Oh, that, that David Fat Ballerina. I look like David right there, man. I, I, it's my boy. So I click it. <laughs> I sat there the whole time laughing. Then my wife come in the room. I said, I know him. That's what I said, David. I said, I know him. David, 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 I told my wife, I know him. And she went, you know everybody. Okay, whatever. Yeah. But I know him. <laughs> <laughs> that is so dope, man. No, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm telling you absolutely the truth, man. And then to get to the end, the very end, producer right. Kim Whitley. Man! Kip Willie, <laughs> one of the finest character comedian actresses in the game today and a stand-up. I immediately, immediately text Kim Whitley and said, I just saw. And you can you, she she can she, she can screenshot it and say, I just saw David special. Man, was he good. Wow. I said, I I wow. have to, I have to get him on my show. Money making conversation. Wow. David. Wow. She went, Dude. wasn't he good? Wasn't he good? I said, girl, he was more than good. He was fantastic. So, David, wow. um, congratulations, brother. I just had to tell you how Thank it all you. went down. How how a uh, 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 person, uh, some people say, I'm, I got a lot of statue in this business. I like to just say I'm just a hardworking brother. But to see what you've yeah, accomplished. You <laughs> you've done, you, I mean, come on, man. Everybody, you know, you, you have, you have, you have helped guide one of the people who have been who have become, you know, a staple in the comedy community. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And it takes a lot to do that, man. It, it takes a lot to, because, you know, we're not easy people. Right. And so right. it takes a lot to be able to go on a journey with somebody. Mm -hmm. And also, like you said, you did stand up comedy, too. Right. Right. So right. to be able to, you know, uh, adjust your lens and start helping somebody else do something is 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 an incredible thing within itself. So when I when they called me and they told me, like, let me give you our connection, okay. which you don't know before we get started. <laughs> uh -huh. So you you helped inspire 
a, a guy who started me do who started me writing and producing TV. His name is Anthony Hill. That's my boy. Absolutely. I know Anthony is Anthony. Me and Anthony met doing Tony Rock's TV show that I was I was brought in to do Punch Up on. I was mm-hmm. actually I wasn't even asked to go. They asked Chris Spencer to go. Chris Spencer asked if he could bring his friend mm-hmm. to do some Punch Up. Anthony was running <laughs> in the room. Long story short, mm-hmm. Anthony got rid of everybody right. and kept me. Right. right. And me and Anthony became good friends. Anthony went on to run House of Pain and meet the Browns for Tyler Perry in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And the first thing he did when they put him in charge was he brought me. Yes. Anthony showed me how to write. Anthony told me that you showed him how to write. <laughs> yes. And told him, can you take this little play that you wrote and turn it into this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is, and he credits you for that. So now, when I got the call, you know, hey, you want to chop it up with Rashad? I was like, yeah, because he has no idea that somebody who you helped mm-hmm. also added another, uh, uh, another strength in my world, which right. is now television writing and producing. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it came back around. So I just want to say on that, thank you. And then we met one time. Absolutely, mm-hmm. we met. We yeah we met one time when I was in I think it was in North Carolina maybe South Carolina mm-hmm. I can't remember mm-hmm. but I opened up for Steve mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I had been doing stand up all of twenty minutes right <laughs> literally and you you know what I mean and y'all was nice enough to talk to me in the back and make me feel like I was you know a person mm-hmm. but it was uh, I'll never forget that. That was the one encounter that I had with Steve, which literally had to be 20, 21 years, 23 years ago, because I was brand new. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I, I've been doing stand-up 24 years, so mm-hmm. I, I know I was within my first two years of doing stand-up, because I had about 20 minutes of material. So it was dope then. So it's great to hear somebody who's um, affected your career indirectly right. to now see that, oh, you saw something that I did Absolutely. and you thought that it was funny. That makes oh. me feel good, man. Oh, I'm going to tell you something. First of all, the callbacks. See, people don't do callbacks anymore. And a callback, mm. just explain people what a callback is in a, in a funny comedy routine, is that you set up a, a statement and then you, mm-hmm. you indirectly bring it back and lay it right. into your show again. He has like three callbacks in his special okay and i'm not gonna tell you because if i tell you what the callback is then it won't be funny when you hear the first time so i'm not gonna ruin a joke but know that yeah it's for everybody but let me just tell it for everybody who's listening i always tell people this you gotta put in david a arnold or you won't find me if you do david arnold Mm -hmm. you're gonna find the white guy that produces all the soundtracks for james bond Yes, but if you yes. put in David A. Arnold, you'll find me because a lot of people are searching Netflix and they searching David Arnold, and sometimes that won't bring me up. But if you put in David A. Arnold or Fat Ballerina, that's how you can find me, especially there and on social media. Right. So yeah, but go ahead. That that's one hundred percent right. Absolutely, I did put the call back to well, there. Well, you know the thing, and that that's really an art form. It's a lost art form, especially with so many you know social yes. media comedians and YouTube comedians. You know who just just want to say something for oh, two yeah. or three minutes. And all of a sudden, they walk off and say and take a bow, but that's not nothing negative right. to them. They're just taking advantage of technology. If I had technology, I may have been a YouTube comedian. Who knows? But if I had that ability to chop it up, uh, the brilliance of Kevin Hart is that he figured out social media before everybody figured it yes. out as a comedian. I, I, that is, let me tell you something. I was on the phone with a friend of mine last yesterday. His name is Desi Banks. 
mm-hmm. Desi is a YouTube or a Instagram social media influencer personality. He got like four and a half million followers. Mm-hmm. He's now he's been doing stand up about two years, two or three years. And me and him were talking about this. I realized about two years ago, two years ago, I had 1600 followers, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm like, what would I look like yelling in the camera all day? Right. Right, right. So mm-hmm. I, but I realized that this is the way that the world is being reached now. Mm-hmm. So what I didn't want to do was to be that old school comedian complaining about these young dudes who are making moves in the way in which the world is moving. So I started taking my point of view, my comedy, my voice, and I started posting on Instagram and Facebook. I got over 600,000 followers now. Right, right. In uh, in 18 months. Because I decided if this is the game they're playing, I'm going to play that game too. I'm going to work on my stand-up, but I'm going to play this social media game as well. So it's been incredible. It, that 600,000, mm-hmm. Rashawn gave me the launching pad when my Netflix special came out a few weeks ago, that gave me the launching pad to send it out to 600,000 people and let them know it was up. And that's what sparked it and got it trending the second day it came out. Right. And that's so people understand that. I I just tell my side story with Steve Harvey is that in 2007, Mm -hmm. I started noticing on CNN and all the sports shows, Twitter feeds and Twitter, they had the Twitter handles and I go, Wow, what is this? Because Twitter handles, Twitter handles, Twitter handles. And I, at the time, we had like 700,000, 800,000 fan club members. And I went, why, right. am I, why am I wasting my time? We got 800,000 fan club members. And so right. and we sat down and go, you know something? We don't want to be left out. And so so we right. brought, bro, we, at the time, he had like 50,000 at that time. And so we brought in a, right. a young lady to be his social media person, the avatar, you know, act like he's posting, yes. but he's not posting. And so exactly. that move right there, if we did not do that move, we would not have been able to launch his talk show in 2012 because I was able to compare exactly. his social media followers with, you know, Dr. Dr. Phil, with Ellen DeGeneres, yes. with his competitors yes. who were coming along at the same time. And so what you're also telling right. people is that if you don't have social media followers, it can damage your opportunities because a lot of companies look at you now and go, what can you do for us? We're going to put you on TV. Oh, my goodness. What can you do for us? That's so true. You've got to have us. I tell all the young comics that I talk to now and even these older ones, like all the young comics tell me or the, the young influencers, they'll tell me you are the first, one of the first um, stand-up comedians, OG as they call me, right. stand-up comics, mm-hmm. to have figured out this social media game. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, because I'm not going to let this pass me by, mm-hmm. especially because I have not yet gotten my just due. Right. I have right. not yet been seen like I feel like I need to be seen. So therefore, I started building uh, I started building a following. And I was like, listen, they posted up videos that are two and a half, 60 seconds to three minutes long. Mm-hmm. And most of them ain't funny. Right. right. I'm funny. I know right. I'm funny. So Absolutely. I was like, I can be funny. I know you're funny. I told my wife I know Every him. day for the rest of my life. I know yes, him. Yes, you do. I know you're funny, David A. Arnold. You got to tell me. I know you're funny. I leaned into it. And I was like, I'm not going to complain about the game. I'm going to get with the game. Mm-hmm. And now I got these two worlds. And I got to be honest with you, man. 
I love being able to talk to my fans on social media and, and Facebook and Instagram. I love it. I went live yesterday on Facebook. Mm-hmm. 1,500 people was watching me. Right. That's, that's right. the most people I've ever got a chance to Isn't see. That's like a small, that's a nice intimate theater. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's, it's amazing when you realize you have that type of marketing control. I look at Kevin Hart, and I remember when I was, well, I, was, I remember when I used to watch him walk around in the, in the, in the, Different clubs, you know. He's always had somebody yeah. working with him, with some camera who's always running from club to club to mm-hmm. club. That's what I remember about yes. Kevin Hart. And then, yes. and then, then when I when I when we cast him in the movie, um, Think Like a Man, the very first one, um, yeah, he had like about I want to say he had like about five million. We're talking about twenty twelve, five million yeah. Facebook followers at the time. At the time, and I remember Facebook, was, not Instagram, right. Like you know, I was just remember we was talking about Facebook because he had all he had Twitter and yeah. Instagram, he had everything. Okay, but and he yeah. said, Rashawn, I picked up twenty thousand followers on Sunday. Hmm. Right. Right. Twenty thousand right. followers in one day. That's what yeah. Kevin Hart. So exactly. you, right then, I knew he was on to something to pick up twenty thousand yeah. followers in one day. And I say that it means something. It means something. And so, and that's why he's a power broker today. Because he controls yeah. his media. And so one of the things that, you know, I managed Stephen A. Smith and we sat down and Stephen A. Smith was not on Instagram at all. He was just right. a Twitter and right. a Facebook guy. And I said, hey, man, right. you ever thought about opening a Twitter or an Instagram account? He said, isn't that for young people? You think that's my market share? Well, 2.8 million Instagram followers later. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes. And so now yes, he has is. the following in Facebook, Twitter. Mm-hmm. And Instagram, and so now he can yeah. control his market share. And so when I stopped managing right. Steve Harvey in 2016, one of the first things that I wanted to do was create my own voice, David. I wanted to. What is my voice? Yeah. And people, people yeah. always look at me, and go, "Rashad, you, you're successful." No, I'm successful with Steve Harvey. That's not my voice. Right. That's not my voice. Right. And right. I said, so right. Right. what? What will make people? follow me what would make people well i could bake real good so i started baking everything and every time i post a bake i get thousand two three thousand likes i'll go viral with my baking post but that wasn't me and so i had to sit back that was just a gift that god gave me and so i had to sit back and go you know what i'm saying that was just a gift and so a lot of people understand that that might not be your end goal but i always tell people if god gives you a window wash it please you know, look at it, please. Open that's it, right. please. Watch and that's it. what I did. I opened it <laughs> and I started right. baking. So I swear to you, I could be walking at the mall. I could be walking. I was walking in the Beverly Hills, walking. This lady pulled down, her, mm-hmm. rolled down her window and said, are you the baking guy? I go, wow. That's hilarious. Wow. Wow. Are you the, bake- the stuff I've done. So, so, so I was in the Delta Lounge. This lady came up to me uh, almost in tears. She was, she worked there. She's right. a worker in the Delta Lounge. She said, she said, sir, I, I spoke to you when, when you, when you, when you walked by, I go, I, I said hi back, didn't I? She said, yes, you did. But what you didn't know, are you the baker, the guy who bakes? I go, That's yes, crazy. it's me. She went. 
I follow you. I follow you. Man, this lady almost broke yeah, down in tears. Powerful. I had to hug this lady. I said, uh, it's I, said, I had to get up out of my chair. Ma'am, it's all right. You know, she said, wow. That's hilarious. I can't believe I'm meeting you. And I only bring up these scenarios to show that that's the power of controlling your own voice. And that's what you're talking about. And the power of that yes. translating to a person like me, Rashawn McDonald, contacting you saying, hey, man, I can't believe I'm, I'm a fan Watching this guy, That's a so fan. Dope. It's a fan, and I'm telling my wife, I know him, and she's looking at me. That's just so dope. Blowing me off, David A. Arnold. Uh, you know everybody. Yeah. No, <laughs> I know him. <laughs> you know, it, you're like, like, what is so dope for me is to watch everybody, the two worlds meet now, mm -hmm. because a lot of, like I told you, a lot of my fan base has mm -hmm. built lately dramatically in social media, Facebook right. and Instagram. So right. now when I told them, hey, go watch my Netflix special, they went and watched it and then they were like, oh, I didn't know you. I mean, I know you funny on Instagram and Facebook, but I didn't know you're a real stand-up comedian. A lot of people don't know that I've been doing stand-up for 24 years. Yes. And yes. this is not my first role. This is not my first rodeo. This is the first national stage that I've been on. And it's been dope. Even, even like this, this Netflix special that I did, I produced I put, I did all of this myself. Mm -hmm. It's an independent project. It's not a Netflix original. Mm -hmm. It is an independent project that they license and they put up. Mm -hmm. And it's great for me to go. That thing on the second day started trending and it trended at number one first 10 days that it was out and yes. beat out the originals that they had released. Yes, sir. And yes, sir. it makes me feel good. Okay. To okay. Finally, get something let me, let me and something. get a let me moment where people go, wow, this dude is good. Let me tell you something, man. Not only are you good, but you can never do another special in a comedy club. You are arenas now, brother. You are venues of 3,000 or more. That's where I need to see your next special at. Because because yes, you are a star. It will be. I'm telling you, you are a star. Thank you. See, I'm telling you something about stars. Wow. Man. Stars can never be seen, can never be touchable. In other words, see, I can't look down there and, and, and be able to touch one of my fans. I'm not a star. Because, see, people, that's what right. people perceive. Security, you know, way up there. They can use a little bit of ant on the stage. See, stars. Right. You know, that's what stars right. do. They, they, they motivate people. Even though it's an inconvenience visually, right. they still got to be there right. to see you. So when you do these specials. You know, your next one. Right. You're gonna have another one. You gotta yes. be in the venue. Oh, I already you, got an offer. I already, I already got go. an offer to do one. There you go. You gotta we have be a up meeting there today on the phone. Come on now. Come on now. Bro. Come on now. <laughs> yes, sir. You gotta be up there. Yes, look sir. up there and point at somebody. Look when you're looking up around. Yeah. That's what you gotta do, David, because you are a star. And the reason I say that, man, because you. you're doing comedy the way comedy is supposed to be done. You know. Wow. The way Chris wow. Rock do it. The way Steve Harvey wow. do it. Where Dave Chappelle wow. do it, but when you're throwing wow. those callbacks, brother, when you're throwing those yeah. callbacks, man, I went. Yeah, this brother can write. This brother understands and is courageous in his stand-up comedy. And I'm talking to David A. Arnold. He's the star of the new Netflix hit that trended on Netflix called Fat Ballerina, <laughs> produced under the banner of Kevin Hart. So I'm throwing out your credits, brother, because you never know who might be listening. They go, who is he talking to? I it sounds exactly. good, but who is he exactly. talking to? I'm like talking to it. David A. Like Arnold. It.
Okay. So I be listening. To, I be listening to the radio a lot. I go, that sounds good, but who is he talking to? <laughs> exactly. You got to tee it up. You got to tee it up every five, ten minutes to let him know. You got to reset it and Absolutely. let him know. Absolutely. And so, and so when I look at the opportunities that you're bringing to the stage, I wanted to bring up this whole this whole moment when I talked in your credits and you went, mm, when I said you've trained successful comedians. Yeah. Tell us a lot. Yeah. Tell us about that scenario, that part of your life. Um. Okay, so about 10 years ago, I started, I created a stand-up comedy class. It's called The Art of Stand-Up Comedy. You can see, I, you can get information on it if you go to my website, which is davidarnold.com, and you can click on the class and you can see this. I started doing that about 10 years ago, and I'll tell you why. In the beginning, I, I love stand-up. I love the art of stand-up. And when I moved here to Los Angeles, I moved here with two trash bags of clothes, no car, not one single friend, and two addresses to two comedy clubs, the comedy store and the uh, laugh factory. And the only thing I knew is I wanted to be a comedian. I didn't have nobody to tell me, you should go on this day, you should talk to this person, you should stand here. I didn't know nothing. So I meandered and found my way by myself. And when I got to a place where I felt like I had some information to share, I decided to teach a class. Now, in the beginning, I didn't want to teach a class because they say those who teach, teach because they cannot do. And that is, that, that was my ego saying, yeah, that's true. I'm not teaching no classes. It's going to make it look like, oh, I didn't gave up on trying to right. be a mm -hmm. comedian. Mm -hmm. So now I'm going to teach other people. But then I realized, no, no, I'm going to break the mold. I teach because I do and I do well. And I know what I'm doing. So I, when I changed my mindset mm -hmm. and I started to teach these classes, I don't know what happened, but I can tell you now I have the largest stand-up comedy class in the country. Mm -hmm. I have well over 355 people on my waiting list. When I open up my class, it, I only do 20 people. Mm -hmm. And that sells out within, within the quickest it ever sold out was 37 minutes, the, the, <laughs> the, the, the seats. The most of the time on average is about two and a half hours, mm -hmm. but the class is huge. I can't teach you to be funny, right? That's in you or not. But what I can show you is the process in which I go through and that I've been through and that my friends go through to build an act, to learn how to take this art of storytelling and make it work for yourself. So you can do that because most people that are comedians, they have no idea how to construct a story and tell a story. They just talk and there's a, that's why you see a lot of comedians that have great personalities and they're very interesting to look at, but they not talking about shit and you can't remember nothing they saying, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. like I just started teaching the class and I wrote a book called The Art of Stand-Up Comedy, which I'm about to release. Um, it, it is, it's, I love doing it. And people thought that I would stop doing it when I started making money. Right. They're like, he ain't going to be doing that when he's making money. And I still do the class. I can't, I can't do it as often as I used to mm -hmm. because I'm more busy now. Mm -hmm. But I still do it. I opened it up and I started teaching people online. So mm -hmm. I, work with, I work with people in England, in Holland, in New Jersey, in Minnesota. If you can get on stage and get online and send me a set, and I can look at it and we can FaceTime and talk about your work, you can take my class. Right. So it's been 
incredibly successful. It was something that I didn't see coming. And it, because it's something that I love, and I love talking about comedy. You know comedians. Rashawn, we, we go to comedy clubs and work out. And then we go down the street to the diner or to the restaurant and sit there and talk for another two hours about stand-up. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. that's just what mm-hmm. we do. So, like, this just allotted me a gate. I said, why don't I share this information? The reason I charge you is because I'm giving you 20-plus years of experience, and I'm spending time away from my family right. to give you something. Right. So that is what is the cost of it. But now with the Netflix special out and the success of my produ- producing career and people just seeing me perform, it, it's, it's unbelievable how great the class has been received and yes. the dope stuff that we're doing. I just love it, man. I love it because well, it comes from my chest. Well, the, the, the special is uh, fantastic. Uh, I'm talking to David A. Arnold, a stand-up comic, uh, expert actor, writer. It's, it's what you call the triple threat. You know, I was that. I was, I was yes. a sitcom manager comic you know (laughs) as a comedian he's performed all over the country very specials and uh i know we got the pandemic right now it's shutting down a lot of opportunities right now but uh, the beauty of it is that i saw you man i saw you and uh, i just had to show you love and respect and uh bring you on my show Monday conversations and uh tell the world man that you you know that you know you know the amazing thing about this show david is that uh so many people have told me how I've indirectly or directly affected them. And it, it always catches me off guard because I've always 100%. been a guy, man, that just uh, since I was 18 years old, I've always been paying it forward. You know, and whether I was right. my computer classes or my, my degree was in mathematics, helping people trying to trying to pull them up, trying to pull them up. Yeah. To see that that that's still that's still part of your your DNA with your class. Please do not stop your classes. Please. That is, that is part will, of your I DNA. I will not stop them. That is part of your I DNA. I will not stop. I will not stop. I mean, if you guys want to, you should follow me on Instagram at the David A. Arnold or David A. Arnold on, on Facebook. And uh, I'm across the board. And just, you know, Twitter, all of it. And just go for this ride, man. I'm very excited about some of the stuff that's coming up. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited about everything that I'm doing. And I'm finally feeling like I'm getting a little bit of daylight. To get shined on me for the hard work that I've been doing, man. And I'm going to take every piece of it. But know that I got a whole lot of work to do still. Well, brother, a lot. look here. Uh, a big fan. Uh, when you do that next special, it got to be in an arena. It got to be in front of a lot oh, of it will. That's, it's uh, when you walk out so on that stage. It's so funny you said that. Hey, brother. That's what they told me. Somebody, hey, the person that hey, called me, told me the exact same thing. Hey, man, this and is, it will be. This is what I do, David. David A. Arnold, this is what it I will do. be. And uh, I would tell I know. you, Netflix is a uh, is is the network he's streaming on. Uh, very special. It's produced by under the banner of Kevin Hart, so you know it's fantastic. But what is more, even more fantastic, is that he's funny. He's a good looking guy. He's a good looking guy. <laughs> so that that helps. That helps. That helps. <laughs> well, you know, you know what's so funny? You you say it helps, but I can tell you many a time when it has hurt and been an obstacle. 
Yeah. People be like, who is this light-skinned, curly head looking, <laughs> think he going to tell? Oh, my God. Hey, 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 hey David, stop, stop, stop. Oh it may have hurt you back then, but, brother, you oh, on fire right me. now, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but social media is always nice to follow a good-looking guy, okay? I'm just going to let you know oh, that. Oh, my God. Hey, my man, David, oh, oh, my God. thanks for taking the time to come on my show. I really appreciate yeah, your patience. Man. And uh, tell, uh, send me some banners, man, some little snippets. So I can post it on my social media because I almost got a, I got eight hundred thousand on my Facebook and I got my money making conversation. Don't tell me that. So, brother, look at here. I heard. No, when we, when we get offline, don't hang up. When we get offline, let's talk offline. Okay, my man, we do that. All right, David A. Arnold, thank you for coming on my show. My man, thank you, brother. If you want to hear more episodes of Money Making Conversations, go to moneymakingconversation.com. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I'm your host.